Hey everybody, it's Blake. And this is Drew. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. Welcome to episode 43 of the podcast. I'm going to bang through a few things on the front end here before we get to the good stuff. I mean, I guess this other stuff is good stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to st- say that um, our cousin Brian actually claimed the uh, free movie, uh, from a copy of Jeff Wedding's movie. When I uh, dug around and find their spare copies, it was a copy uh, signed by the, the Jeff and the, all the whole cast of the movie, which is pretty cool. So I sent that off to him. I'd like to uh, thank Brian for actually listening, paying attention, and the support of the podcast and stuff like that. We really appreciate it, man. Um, as well as that, I want to keep. We're going to keep pushing um, Blake's story. Of course, we, we might do this indefinitely. So if you get tired of hearing it, just Give me just fast forward five seconds. Fast forward five seconds. So, you know, Blake's story is on Amazon. Uh, if you just search They Come This Night, it shows up immediately. You see the cool uh, cover art he got commissioned, which is not by Devious Pixel, which by somebody else because he, he wanted a more uh, serious tone. A dude named uh, Wesley Edwards, and you can find you can find his art, and he'll do commissions as well, mm-hmm. like he did for me. It's a Wesley Edwards... Dot com. There should be links to that in the show notes, I think. If not, I don't do that, but I, I, I link to your thing, and I okay. think you mentioned it in the book. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's fine. Uh, other things, we really like to get the the Patreon doing something, which would be great. You know, we know Patreon's the one thing we have that involves giving us your sweet, sweet money. Uh, we do have one. Uh, we have one Patreon, which is cool, super great. I won't, I don't, I don't, I don't even to disclose Patreon. I have I no idea. But um, Patreon's, you know, you know, you know, you know what it's there for. I've talked about it on a few episodes before. It's helped support the podcast, make it better, uh, and cover some of the costs of what we do here. You know, like the different things cost money. I want to, I want to go big into that. But what the Patreon does come with is uh, two things we'd like to. One we already do. One we like to do is you get. Like today, when I when we finish this episode, I'm gonna uh, post this un- unedited audio to Patreon, and you get it you get it today at some point today. It won't be like right after we're done recording because we gotta get lunch because I'm fat. But you'll get the episode uh, right away unedited. There's no music and stuff like that, and any kind of mistakes we make, like like fumbling over his words or me getting in an infinite loop of stuttering, uh, will all is all left in in the unedited side. So if you want to hear what it's like how uh, much stupider we sometimes sound you'll have that and you get it a week early we we do um alternating weeks so i have time to have time to edit so that's why we do alternating release weeks for the full edited episodes so i still got games to play and stuff like that too um but our patreon page is there for that and then if you um the second tier of patreon is the uh people to 
pick a game off of. We like to do it once a month or more if people ever do it. To pick a game off Game Pass and we'll stream in any game you pick off of Game Pass, regardless of genre, difficulty, anything. And we would like to further that eventually to a, you pick a game and we'll play with um, the Patreons and stuff like yeah. that. Well, I mean, we'll, honestly, we'll probably play games with anybody, any kind of big multiplayer. I'd love to play, um, like what, Dead, Dead by Daylight or anything like that. Anything that call, calls for a a group to play together would be fun with anybody. So It'd be way more fun than with a group than just trying to have like one person and doing quick matches and stuff yeah. like that. We've we've played we've played a bit of a uh, Dead by Daylight with Garrett, which was a lot of fun. Um, other than so Patreon, you just search our podcast name. It should the whole the whole name should come up. If not, it's just two smoking controllers. I think Patreon can handle your entire name though. Some things can handle our entire name because our name is ridiculously long for comedy's sake. But it's also rad. Yeah, um, after Patreon, you know, uh, we go do the the normal stuff. We like to push the Twitter because the Twitter, I guess, is more uh, instant than anything else. Uh, Facebook and everybody else buries your posts. Twitter, it just happens regardless. It seems like. Mm-hmm. So we will Twitter when we uh, tweet Twitter when we um, are going to stream or anything like that, or I'll uh, tweet the release of the episodes. I'll tweet other things. Uh, I don't know if Blake's used it yet. I think, I think so. I, it's, on, it's on both of our phones, but I think I, I usually use it for announcements and stuff like that. Uh, we like to use um, the Discord as well. The Discord's where you can literally talk directly to us if you want to, which is pretty fun. Could be interesting. We have, have different channels on there for the different sides of the podcast. So if you want to join our Discord, I I think it just lets you in, or it might I might, I might have to accept it. You, but my, I'm pinged right away when somebody wants to join. So. Hop on there and uh, talk about stuff with us. And, uh, of course, we said we Twitch, so Twitch is the next big thing. We'd like people to come come hang out with us and see the games. It's a, it's a good way to see um, upcoming games on the podcast. Um, I don't know if he streamed one of these games. I, I actually streamed of, the entirety of the second one. Yeah, the second game, Blake did stream the entirety of. The first game, I'm not sure if we streamed. I don't think I did. I think I did, I did a little bit of, this, of, the, of the first game we're going to talk about. So we do stream the games we're going to come play on the podcast. We do try to stream our um, anything co-op we do. So we're there. We're doing it. You know, come hang out and check out the stuff we're doing on there. And then the last couple of bit of things is the pretty normal stuff. Just the Facebook and the Instagram, which I do the Facebook posts. And Blake does the Instagram art and stuff like that. You know, just keep searching for our name of our podcast. I'm not going to do the whole thing for that. And then the Reddit, which I do not use whatsoever. I probably won't end up using the Reddit unless unless people get on the Reddit and want me and want the Reddit to be used, which I think I like Reddit better than Facebook and Instagram anyway. Reddit is better. It's better in a way. It could still be a, a cesspool of whiny little babies, but most of Reddit I feel like is better and more organized. Then the last thing, of course, is the Spotify playlist where I put all of the music and music I play <laughs> on the podcast. Spotify? What's Spotify for? Uh, the, uh, if you search our name for our name of the podcast on Spotify, the podcast itself will come up, and then uh, the uh, playlist should be right right below that. Probably, if you follow that playlist, you'll get to hear is a compiled of all the music we've played on here. It re- recently, found out that um, we played a we played a we uh, snuck in a Mark. He say his last name Ribley. It's either Ribley or Riblet. I don't know. Ribley. We snuck in a song uh, "Flamingo" onto one of our podcasts one time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever caught that. 
weird old song, but he actually put that on his 2020 album. So now I got Flamingo. I'm a Flamingo. Or just, I'm a Flamingo. I'm a Flamingo is now on our Spotify playlist. I'm super happy about that because that song makes me laugh every time I hear it. Every time. Yeah. I think that's all for what I have here. Uh, you got anything you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. You covered everything, so I think, yeah. I think I'm okay. It's the best I've ever done because I made, I made a list beforehand. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, with that, I'll let Blake take the reins. We're going to talk about the uh, first of the two games we have planned for the episode. Uh, this game was on Game Pass, and and as as you hear, hear us talking about recently, the game was leaving Game Pass, so we, uh, we jumped on it as quick as we can. Our first game is called... How do I mess it up? Is it Deliver Us the Moon or Deliver Us to the Moon? It's Deliver Us the Moon. Deliver Us which, the Moon. Because the two and the the uh, makes, a t- makes, a different, makes a different game. If you think about it. Yeah. If you talk about the plot and all of this, like Deliver Us the Moon, it's part of the plot why they want the moon. It's in the plot. If you to the moon, you're just going to the moon, which mm. is which isn't isn't that hard because you do that in the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's called Deliver Us the Moon. came out September 28th, 2018. Its developer is Kyo Ken Interactive. BV. I'm not sure what the BV is, but it's at the end of it. Now, Kyo Ken is uh, based out of the Netherlands, out of, was that Dutch? I think the Netherlands is in Dutch. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know world geography. I know a couple <laughs> of things. I don't even know all the all of American geography, if I'm being honest. That's true. I may neither. I don't care. Uh, the studio was originally founded uh, November 2014. Hmm. It uh, It's kind of silly how it all came to be. Really? Just a little bit, because the original, the, um, the, uh, the founders, which are two brothers and, okay... Uh, the 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 actual founder is a dude named uh, I think it's Ken K O E N, so the O would be silent and then the E or it's K O N. I think it's Ken. Mm-hmm. Ken and Paul Dietman, mm-hmm. and then Ken's best friend uh, Johan Turink, and they uh, came together. But originally, kind of started with uh, Ken's. Um, I guess the. Uh, the drive for video games was there's uh, he was in a huge community for a game called Soldiers of Fortune 2 which I don't really know what that is that doesn't ring a bell to me but he was determined to become the highest ranking person in the game and he eventually did it with a he had a clan and everybody and they, he eventually became number one and he was so addicted to to wanting to do more but all of his, everyone around him just kind of was like, oh, we've made it number one, we're good, let's quit. And they all faded into nothing. But he kept going. He eventually 
went on to college to be in the computer sciences and stuff and with his brother and best friend decided to create a gaming studio hmm. and uh, that's where uh, we get the Kyokin Interactive but I know what you're doing there Kyokin yeah because the Kyokin was actually the it's his username that he hmm. uses in his video games that he used when he was playing Soldiers of Fortune so I thought that was just kind of funny how that all kind of came to be he got addicted to wanting to become number one in some video game and then he's yeah. like making is, is this video game. only, only game so far unfortunately yes See, unfortunately they, they, unfortunately, they, they just got it out yeah I didn't mean to sound make that sound uh, mean spirited by any means but the whole company is ran it's 22 people now so that's actually pretty cool 22 sounds like a number that keeps happening up I don't think anybody listens back to the episode. Every time Blake says small company, is it always 22 people? Well, I was going to bring up uh, when I get to it eventually, the next game, hmm? 23. 23. Huh. It's just a small core group of people. And admittedly, maybe, so, maybe there's a certain number of jobs you need to make a game. And like the bare minimum you need to make a game and afford it is 22 people. Maybe. Admittedly, some of the names were like interns and stuff like that, too. So it's 22 uh, people counting interns. So it may be less than that, but okay, it's still kind of cool. That's everything about the developer that I really know, because it's, it's really hard to find stuff on these small-time people. They do plan on making more, but they haven't made any announcements. Because mm-hmm. they actually did release, and because um, when you look them up, they've only it says they made two things, and it was the game and then the OST for the game. That's the only thing they've made thus mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And uh, the music for this is, uh, I did the music before the podcast, the music for this is more ambient than anything, so you'll be hearing some ambient, spacey music throughout the pod, throughout this the, this game section of the podcast. Now, what would you classify the, like the genre, because I have like a... This is a first person puzzler, I mean, through and through. I mean, I have it, <laughs> I have it wrote down, the, the most small I could make it was... Or it classifies itself as, rather, is an action-adventure narrative slash sci-fi thriller first-person, third-person puzzler platformer. Yeah, I did write, <laughs> yeah, because he said first-person, third-person. I did have it wrote down that uh, the game seems to switch from first to third-person somewhat randomly. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll do a whole section that's first-person. And then you'll come back to that section, and you're, you're you'll you'll be in third person, but you'll be walking through the same area. I just I don't know what, what they were what they were doing there. I think it was supposed to, early or, or on. Or was it or was it first person when you're in zero g, and then third person when you're walk when you when you can actually walk around? Now that now that I think about it, from what, well, I think it was originally supposed to be it's first person when you're doing interior stuff. And it's third person when you're doing exterior stuff. If you're outside, that's what it's. Well, you walk like. around the space station, and the... but you walk also walk around in the space station only when you. No, I think even when they're the hazard of having no oxygen, I think there's still moments where you're third person even when there is oxygen. Yeah. So maybe they got kind of confused. I thought it was really art- cool and artistic, like. Interior stuff was first person, and exterior stuff was third person. It seemed like it in the beginning of the game because you would uh, you start off, you start off in third first, person, but then you walk inside like these little trailers no, and you're, rooms. You're, you're and inside it, your bedroom and you start, you're yeah. in, so you're in first person. And when you walk out that first door, it, the camera backs out of you into third. If you walk into any of the buildings on the way, it, it, it zooms back into you. 
So I thought it was going to be doing that the entire game, but because you do have exterior and interior throughout the most of the game, but then you had some interior that third person. Per- so yeah. I was like, I don't know what what they're yeah. Because yeah. when you have to, uh, we'll talk about adventure with that stupid laser sentry. That's a third person interior. You have to yeah. run past yeah, that laser yeah, sentry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that is strange. Well, I don't know. Then maybe they forgot. I don't know, but I'm thinking maybe it's because you're. I think it's leading back to like when there's no gravity. I think you're in first person, and when there is gravity, you're back on your feet in third person. I think so, maybe. Does that mean that, 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 that? But that doesn't explain why they had the first person in, in, in the beginning of the game. Exactly. So I don't know. Maybe they just thought an idea I don't know was what, cool. I don't know why they would. Yeah, why you do both? I don't. I don't know. It's confusing, but it's it's there. Yeah, it is. You know, pretty cool. And uh, like. <laughs> It works really well with the graphics, too, because they do put a lot of detail in some of the smaller items that you get yeah. to zoom in on and stuff. Yeah, and the graphic uh, slash art style is real. Like oh, yeah, they're, it's very, they're going, like, they're going, slightly futuristic real. Uh, slightly, but it's still, they're going for, they're going for, but they are going for realism. Oh, it's, realism. No, it's not cartoony. It's very, very real. Um, the We did miss the Series X update is coming out. Oh, There's a Series X update coming out, but it's, already... ti- it's timed in a way where it comes out after the game. The game is leaving Game Pass. It'll, it might be off of Game Pass before you, before you hear this podcast, unfortunately. But it's getting a Series X update, and I looked at, and the timing of it is... Because I literally I saw the post for that, and then like a few days later, the post about it leaving Game Pass. I was like, well, there goes that. So we actually didn't get to see it. And it's it it, 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 it even better. I mean, who knows what the a lot of uh, Series X updates are just frame rates. But I don't. This game wouldn't benefit from increased frame rate because of the the pacing of the game. But uh, the Series X update would, would have been nice. I want. I like to play a lot of games that they're at their best. We got you know we got our hands on the Xboxes. We like to play stuff at what the best way it looks. But I'm not going to buy a game to have to have it just to have it a few extra. Having an extra month waiting for a Series X update to come out. Because in all honesty, in all honesty, I'm not sure what more they could do. Because the load times weren't atrocious. I didn't have any like huge glitches or anything like that. The game ran fairly smooth in the parts that were supposed. I mean, there were some parts that didn't, but that also were like one or two parts that wanted to give you a new element of gameplay, but they weren't designed for that style of gameplay, so it made it really complicated. Yeah, like some of the sneaking stuff you got to do later. I didn't do any of the sneaking. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I didn't. I guess here's a good a place as any. I, I didn't actually beat the game. Uh, we'll get to why here in a bit. We want to continue. About Blake did beat it and uh, did not get the 1K. I got gypped by um, a weird glitch. I'll yeah. talk about that, too, here in a minute. Yeah, anyway. Um, so you'll talk about the... Uh, everybody knows it's obviously a spacey game. Um, I can know give, that we, we talked about the graphics and the style. Do you want to give a little bit of the um, the setup of the game and yeah, what, I, what's happening? I can do. I have a, a nice little bit of a, the story here. Yeah. Uh, and this is all... You learn this as you play, and some of it's kind of inferred. Um, but eventually, essentially... Not eventually, but essentially... Eventually, essentially? Yeah. There was a huge... Uh, again, because mankind is terrible... The Earth is struggling to maintain resources are depleted, and they're having trouble uh, harnessing and having energy on the planet Earth. 
And so eventually they're like, hey, let's just come together and go out into space. And so the the World Space Agency was founded. Mm-hmm. And then a few years after that, they someone came up with the idea that they could solve all their troubles for energy and give the entire world free energy by literally turning the moon into a massive solar farm. <laughs> and with the uh, and it took several years to build this and so on and so forth and they essentially they built uh first they colonized the moon with a like I think it had like three or four small hub colonies to maintain the solar field and that was they lived there. That was their job. They weren't going to come. Well, I think they could come back, but it was going to be very expensive. Once you went up there, you were staying. That mm-hmm. was kind of how the plan was going to be because it would just be easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. And their whole job was maintaining the farms and living their lives and so on and so forth. I think it was mostly like a lot of scientists and their families. It just made it easier. And so once they we got the moon basically set up, they set up these arrays that would just beam energy back to earth infinitely. Yeah. Because, and so they solved the world's energy problem, energy crisis. And so we had infinite energy for everyone in the world and we were happy ish and, you know, mankind and all that. But one fateful night, uh, something happened. Mm-hmm. And we lost, with no forewarning at all, communication with the moon stopped. First it was communication, and then the energy it was sending Earth halted. Cut, cut off. They called, they called it the, the, they called the blackout. I think course. it was called, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. called the blackout. The blackout, which is clever. I mean, I mean, it's, what would news people call it in the real world? They wouldn't come up with anything fanciful. Well, it's the great blackout. And anyway... That's kind of where we come in. Mm-hmm. You, you know, come. You know who your character is? I had no idea who my character was. I think was. I can infer who it was from the from what happens in the story. They don't talk. No. Well, he doesn't. But there are audio logs. Mm-hmm. Audio logs slash these cool little holograms you get to watch, and I think he's. Uh, one of the dudes from earlier, and he's the one who had who was forced to leave. Okay. Type thing, because he's like, I'll come, and you see in one of the audio logs or something, he like talks about. I think her name was Sarah. He's like, Sarah, I promise, I will come back for you. Mm-hmm. And you're, how the story goes is you're the world's last astronaut. You're the last trained astronaut. So it kind of leads you without actually telling you, leads you to believe that you're that guy. I think his name uh, was uh, Rafi. Rafi? I don't know. Raphael. She called him Rafi. But I think that's who you are. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't actually tell, but I I, I like to think that you are him keeping your promise of coming back to Sarah and saving her. Yeah. Possibly. That's sweet, I guess. I didn't didn't get all that. Yeah. Um, I probably didn't play far enough to... No, because some of that stuff, some of those audio logs aren't even revealed until Later. later chapters. Okay. Because the whole game itself. Well, you start. You start, we, you could kind of follow it a little bit. Where you start on. I think you start on Earth. You, st- you start on Earth as it's basically collapsing. It's to the point again because we mankind treats Earth like a human, sh- like a trash can. So picture this. 
Earth is already 72% water. So we don't have a whole lot of landmass to work with. At this point in the story, after we lose communication with the moon, it takes two years for people to, for the WSA to come together, bring all its resources together to build a rocket to launch it to the moon because they had to figure out how to restart energy and do all this other stuff. And so you are the last astronaut and you get launched in the space two years after the blackout. Mm -hmm. And so during this time, it's gotten worse. Like I said earlier, the Earth's surface is already 73% water, so we don't have a lot of landmass to work with. The current landmasses on available to Earth is 30% desert and growing. Mm. So it, it's the Earth is failing horribly. So there's a reason they were shooting this to is, the moon. This is the future everybody kind of expects for Earth anyway in the real world. I mean, this yeah. is uh, that's what um, the storyline of. Besides, I don't know about shooting shooting energy through space, but the basic storyline of this is it could happen like the Earth falling apart and. You're not 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 in our lifetime, I suppose, but like this is where Earth is heading anyway. Mm -hmm. And so you're the last hope. They're going to send you into space, and your job is to figure out what happened and if you can to restart the array. Mm -hmm. I think that's literally what they called it, the array, just so that you could get everything. You have to go to all these different. Like, the game itself isn't too terribly long, and it's broke up into. About like six chapters, yeah, does six it, distinct moments. Does it uh, tell you when it's changing chapters? I don't remember. Yeah, kind of, because you're usually getting on something. Like the um, the launching site, that's chapter one. Mm -hmm. Then when you get to the, the space station, that's chapter two. Then chapter three is the, um, the moon hub. Mm -hmm. And then you, get, you fix that monorail, and you go to the moon base, and then, then you do something else and you end up going to the uh, Tomboro reactor which is the thing that's uh, it's what's converting all the solar energy to the shoot through the array the Tomboro reactor mm. and that's the one as you find out is the one that went offline and created the whole issue and so on and so forth once you play through it enough I kind of plowed through the story kind of quick and I do apologize we'll well, I'm not going to hit each one individually, but it, there's a few I want to talk about particularly. Yeah. Like the opening sequence, the launch site, is actually kind of entertaining. Uh, sure. I mean, it, well, it's part of the, because uh, this is a puzzle, it's a puzzle game. Everything leads to another, leads to another puzzle, and the, one of the first puzzles you deal with is uh, being inside the rocket, and you have to initialize the, the rocket launch sequence with the, by looking at this board on the wall that tells you which buttons and stuff to hit in which order and it's timed and uh, I feel like this 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 part, <clears throat> this particular part or maybe maybe the whole game itself works better on PC. It might be because that that op that launching sequence was a little too much too fast because mm -hmm. you have like ten steps to go through and if you miss any of them because you're on a timer because there's this massive storm rolling in mm -hmm. and you have to hit these buttons just to, you know. To make the the rocket launch, because if you don't, then you get hit by the storm. Your rocket fails and you die. <laughs> so it's it's, it's it's I get they're trying to rush you and build the suspense, get the thrill going, but it's a lot. Yeah, it's like to ten, hit all those ten steps and tiny buttons and stuff like that. Like I said, I think with the mouse, you'll be you just be clicking on each of the little buttons and the switches and I on, the, on the controller, the, uh, you're kind of. 
I did find I lost my cursor a lot. Throughout it was whole, so throughout, opaque. Throughout the, throughout the whole game or, yeah. It was okay. so opaque. And I didn't see an option to, like, make it a little brighter. But it was so, like, opaque. It would, I, I guess the, well, the HUD was pretty hidden. I don't think there was a HUD. Not much of a HUD, yeah. But I guess it, it just was so hidden I would actually lose it sometimes. And it did, it did cause me... Other than trying to get an achievement for failing X amount of times, I actually did, whilst trying, yeah, I failed a, like three or four times. There is the first of uh, of a couple of tedious achievements right there, is you have to let the rocket fail, the sequence fail four, four times? Five. Five, five times. times. You have to sit there and let that sequence play out without doing anything five times. Um, we'll talk about another another achievement, the point in the game which I quit playing here in a minute when we get to it, but... um. The the guys the, two, the guys who made the game they, you gotta you gotta learn to make achievements not so boring not and so tedious. tedious and boring like if you're trying to make a point with an achievement everything every achievement you've done in this game that involves time or something like that you need to cut it at least in half yeah in some cases more yeah maybe maybe you have three failures or something like that not five like five is too many you're sitting there for too long just sitting there yeah. Maybe it's meant for you to actually. Maybe you expect people to fail five times. I don't know. Yeah, that is a possibility. But uh, I cut that in half. It's it's ridiculous. Five times you're sitting there for like ten yeah. minutes. It's simple. Three strikes you're out. Ha ha. Funny yeah, joke. Three strikes you're out. Yeah. Pop an achievement. Ha ha. Okay, I got it. So that's one of the achievements that I wanted to mention right there. Sitting there waiting for that to excuse me pan out. Now there's a part another achievement later for when I went once I quit. I don't know if you made any note for any other achievements that were just too long. I that one is the big one. That, that's the big, big one. It was pointlessly long. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's finish the part, your part with the sequence. So there's an achievement for failing five times, and eventually you hit all the you hit all the stuff right. The sequence. Then you get to off. launch, and there's a pretty cool. It is broken up into parts because you have like the first six. And then you actually launch. And then once you launch, then once you're in space, then you have to hit a couple other things to detach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's pretty cool. I've never done that kind of stuff in a in a in a video game. I think there was one VR space game where I was like trying to hit levers. I was trying to like in VR. And I think I had the move controllers, and I was trying to like grab levers and pull them and not smash into the Mars or something like that. Yeah, it was really hard to do because the VR between the VR and the the moves not responding. Different game, but that's the closest thing I have. I don't think you played that game where you uh, was just trying to try not to smash into the Mars when you're trying to land. You're trying to land like a rover or some crap, and you're like hitting levers and power. It's on the VR. I think it was a demo or if it was a full-fledged game we had for v- VR that I don't think you ever played. Probably not. Like I, VR, I'm, I like, which we'll get to, <laughs> but it's, it's iffy yeah, sometimes. For sure. And now, probably... In all honesty, I think it's the highlight of the game. Is the chapter two is make is the space station? Yeah, the the best moments on the space station. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. You do get to uh, detach your stuff, and you do get to do the part where you you get to line up your. Oh yeah, similar line, to like uh like the interstellar, like lining up your docking thing to line up. Yeah, with so the, you, do, you do that in real time. So that they, they do let you do do the stuff, that stuff. But there's only and that's the end of switches and flying rockets is that's that's the end of that as far as i know i didn't play the whole thing but uh you get to line up your thing and you have a you know so much time where you're like got boosters and you're trying to it's really just it's really just the left stick more than anything kind of using the left stick to 
or they jacked up some they made the buttons weird for it or something it's like it's like left and right on the on the analog it's like left and right on the analog stick and then like a makes you go up and y makes you go down or is it vice versa i think it's is it maybe so, so, so you're on the analog so you're on that so, so instead of making the analog stick control your entire movement it's it's only left and right and you got the left and right and the buttons and you're kind of just like you know kind of like this space now you, you hear the little little, little jets go off you're just kind of you're just lining up the docking which is neat I'll give you, of course neat. if you miss then you kill yourself yeah I'm, blow I'm, the I'm, rocket up blow fa- the space station up and do man do mankind you know it's not that big a deal if you fail thankfully there's no achievement for failing it 15 times or anything like that i mean i i, I landed on the first go because you have a pretty good you have a screen indicator and it kind of tells you if you're if you're on the right track and it's indicated pretty well and thankfully there's no achievement for failure there because a, a fairly slow sequence which I, I did put i did write down that the uh it's a little sort of the reason I, I don't mind a slow game but that's i did write the pacing and the puzzles of this game is immensely slow yeah. all movement in the game and all puzzles everything you do in the game you have a running but you don't really run very fast no, you don't you go from like a a slight walk to a power walk kind of i don't even know if you even really had a there was a speed increase. It's one of the triggers, but it is wasn't it like very... the. Uh, is it like a what's, what's that game? Uh, but everyone gone to the rapture. Everyone gone to the rapture where it has it. The, the game indicates that there's a sprint button, but it doesn't. It literally doesn't do anything. Yeah. People, I remember people reading about that. People make fun of. We, we didn't talk about that game. We talk about rapture on the podcast. Yeah, we, was, uh, we played it's, it. It's another walking simulator that I. I don't know if you ever come to Xbox. It was a PlayStation exclusive, but that's not what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's slow. The game is slow. So once because yeah. once you're on the PlayStation, when you're initially on the PlayStation, PlayStation, when you're initially on the space station, you are in zero G. There's a bunch of zero G. I imagine there's a way. There's more later in the game as well. You don't zero, you don't zero G again after the space station because you are on the moon. Because you're on the moon, you have light gravity. Yeah, but. Okay, so when you're on the space station for a while, it kind of comes and goes. You do have zero G, and zero G's pretty neat. It's kind of typical. It uh, you move you real slow, but you have full three dimensional control. You have little boosters. Yeah. You can see how uh, the designers of the game, and I, I assume people. I don't know if they did any, any kind of research or how, when in a, in, a, in a zero G environment, how you design a building. Because you have full free reign in zero g buildings can be built differently and you see as you turn and move like you have when you walk you flow into a place you have doors in every direction because you can use every direction in zero g so that's kind of neat looking around and finding other doors and flowing around i've played zero g stuff before you get it like dead space and other any almost every space games ends up with you in zero g at some point yeah i'm just glad i didn't have to play basketball in this <laughs> yeah, surprisingly <laughs> enough um there's, of course, the old... Uh, it, it can be very disorientating. It can be, yeah. So you don't know where you're going. They, they label things. We did, we did, we're we following a guide. A, was it a TA guide, right? It was a TA guide, yeah. A TA guide for... Uh, so, yeah, until we could, like, with goats, like, go towards crew quarters. You kind of just spin your camera around looking for a sign that says crew quarters. You got to go towards the red hallway. So we kind of knew where you were going. I imagine much more disorienting if you had no idea what you were oh, doing. Yeah. Um. You do have, unfortunately, because it's a space game, there's sequences of low oxygen. Every space game has it. I assume there's now that, there's probably more of that because, you know, there's no air on the moon. I imagine there's more of those sequences on the moon. Um, there is, of course, a, another waiting achievement here. Um, not as bad as the other one. You have to wait and grab air when you have, you have to grab air when you That's have, right. you have to grab an air tank when you have one second of air left in your 
uh, thing. So that was kind of like, uh, that one wasn't as bad because you only have like three minutes of air anyway. You kind of, it kind of float around for a minute and kind of float kind of near a, near an air tank with your curse on and just wait for that one second mark to come. And one thing we didn't talk about either, just now we kind of glossed over because we went straight to the launching sequence. We didn't really talk about what you did inside the base. On Earth? Yeah. Hmm. There's a, a, I think this game was kind of ruined by not super great achievements, but it's also their first game. So they thought, I guess they wanted to like increase the tension with some things. Maybe. But boarding the rocket ship, you had to wait till under five seconds. Oh, it was, oh yeah. There's a time to, yeah. You had to go all the way up the rocket, and then before you hit the ladder to get into the cockpit, you had to sit there and wait. Of, lots of waiting achievements. So you have a yeah, you're you're, you're being timed for the storm right back. Like you said there's a sandstorm coming. You got to prep all the rockets up on the outside, hit it. Whatever you got to do, buttons you got to hit. You literally have to hit launch button, do the two minute countdown, and then run outside up the ele- up the ladder to the elevator, ride the elevator up to the cockpit, then climb into the cockpit. Well, well there's a ladder. Leading in, and the ladder that leads to the rocket, mm-hmm. which is which, which is your your end point, yeah. you have to stand in front of that ladder until, until under five seconds. Until five like seconds. Four, sec, four, three, two, one. I spaced out ironically for a second in that sequence. I was doing something or reading the guide, and I hit, I hit it like two seconds. I was like, oh god, and I hit <laughs> I, and I hit it. So it's kind of funny, but um, so that's another. So where, where are we at? We're up to two. We're up to three. Three waiting things. Three waiting achievements already that I the ones that I know about and that's just that's just not good achievements there's a yeah it makes it makes a mess of things sometimes now you could obviously forget us you could just play the game and not even care yeah right? that is yeah, entirely true entirely play without achievements that's makes for better games sometimes we talked about that in other games where achievements can can make for a bad experience and this game wasn't helping it didn't help them yeah anyway back to uh, the space station oxygen so oxygen is zero G. What else? What else do you have in the space well, station? Oxygen zero G, and you get your first. Well, really, your only tool is you break open a uh, a laser, and you jerry rig a, a cool laser a, a mounted wrist laser cutter for cutting like diamonds and stuff. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, it's used for they they latch and lock every door. Every well, you door. have to. I guess yeah, it's I guess. space. If, it's if, space. If there's a so crack, but bye I mean, bye. They don't have like press this button, unlock this door. Like everything, you have to laser from that point forward. You have to no laser. No energy. Everything. No open. electricity. There's no energy. There's anywhere. no power. Lights and stuff are on. They just weren't shooting power to the earth. I thought they had power in the station because you turn the power to computer screens and stuff. You have like to that. turn the power back on. I guess, but <laughs> even then, though. But, but even when you turn the power back on, you're still lasering panels off of everything. But just, you have limited power. You have to move the batteries. Yeah. And stuff oh, like yeah. it's very limited. It, it makes sense though. It's weakly. I think they were just giving you, you, you excuses to use the laser. Yeah, that laser is cool. Yeah, it's neat. I do really. I did enjoy. The, they just didn't use it creatively enough, in my opinion. Just it was literally just, just cut the bat, cut the latch, cut the latch, cut the lock, and I was like, oh, you could have did something a little cool. At least once in the game, it had been kind of cool to have done like a, a little light mirror puzzle with your laser. Ah. You one. say that now, but I hate light mirror puzzles. I, as I said, just one, just <laughs> yeah. One. But cause considering their track record, yeah, they would. They, you'd have to do it, and then like you have to 40, wait forty-eight times, and then wait, 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 wait at the last mirror for three hours. But yeah, I'm just saying, it could have been cool once. Yeah, and you say you say that, but 
every time I see a light mirror puzzle in a video game, I'm like, Jesus, I don't, I don't want to do that. I hate laser mirror. I hate, I don't even like, we talk about, I don't even like puzzles. That is I probably follow guides for puzzle games because I just want the, I want the story and I want the puzzle to be gone. Anyway, well, lasers. So. I, I'm going to be kind of spoilery for this game because it's not a terrible game. Yeah. But I don't exactly advocate to go spend money on it. Yeah. So we'll, um, he don't want to do, he don't want to go through the entire, the entirety of the, the rest. Of the, so I want to talk the about of the, the, the rest. The rest of this. So we're gonna go off the space station and go do the moon sequence and stuff like that. The moon sequence is the second half of the game. Uh, I think it's. We'll get here in a second. Where, where I quit, I think majority of it is boring enough that you don't have to go over it. Yeah. And you can kind of. I think he. Uh, we will do a spoiler again here in a little bit. He kind of wanted to talk to me about the ending. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me this because I didn't get to the ending. I think he wanted to say the ending just mm-hmm. in case. But before that, we will talk about the. Arguably the best sequence in the entire game, which I got to experience. And it, it, I, honestly, it was the coolest part of the, the game. highlight of the entire game. Uh, you can't be in space on a space station without something going wrong and blowing up. It's in every video game. It's in every movie. It's in them all. Something goes wrong. Part of the space station blows up, and you get and, and you get spaced. Which is the scariest thing about space games is getting spaced. Not only is that is you've been you've already spent the entire like I don't know hour or so maybe two going around the space station in zero g, which is already disorientating. Mm-hmm. But you you at least have points and frames of reference. But then you get launched into nothingness, mm-hmm. and you're still in first person, just spiraling and yeah. spinning. Yeah, you get orientated and you start uh, what you're really really doing is that they help you out is your they the way you're trying to get back to the station is really you're just following the oxygen tanks as your oxygen runs out on like a, a 15 second you know you have like the last 15 seconds of air and you're like going as fast as you can towards the next little canister you see and stuff is flying past you and you're kind of going through things and grabbing the air tank as you kind of you, you'll go through a corridor that's like flying past you and stuff like that, yeah, that, that oh yeah that was really cool yeah because the whole thing you're just watching pieces of space station fly around you it looks really cool i think it was the coolest part i didn't know it was going to be the only cool part <laughs> it's yeah like there's some other parts that are kind of actiony i guess mm-hmm. but that was that was if you play the game the Unfortunately, you're going to hit the best part at the end of chapter two on the space station. That's the coolest, most. If, if you're looking for, if you're looking for action, probably, but maybe people are enjoying. If you're enjoying the puzzles and you're enjoying the uh, story, the little bits of story you the get, world building, the world building through the audio logs. And thankfully, this game has voice acting and audio logs. I love voice acting and audio logs. Y'all know that if you listen to the podcast. So thankfully, you're getting the story fed to you. And all the voice acting was really good. I, I enjoyed everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but that sequence, you do, if, that, you, if you survive it, which you have to, to move forward in the game, you do get back onto the space station itself. And you basically, once you go into the space station, you basically just ride an elevator. Yeah, there is no, uh, I didn't, is that normal for a space station to be literally physically attached to a place by a long elevator? Is that, because usually aren't space stations float? Because this space station is literally well, it was, attached. It was tethered to the moon base. 
because it's it it the space station itself was part of the array that hit all the satellites around Earth. Mm-hmm. So the space station was like the uh, the choke point. Okay. Yeah, we get all the array and everything working, but then it beams and hits the um, the space station. And the space from the space station is where it uh, kind of like a like a light through a prism is where all the it shot it hit all the satellites cool, and then all the satellites cool. hit Earth. Okay, cool. So that's kind of how it was. Yeah, I saw when that sequence happened. You're at elevator. I'm like, this is attached. This is weird. Like it was also light gravity. Like it didn't weigh anything. I guess, but like. Some stuff just not just like hit that every now. And then. It seems dangerous to have something like. I'm that. sure it was reinforced with like titanium and a bunch of other super yeah. heavy metals that yeah, just, just didn't. It just seemed. I don't know. Not, not the brightest. I'm sure they didn't use it for real glass. It's probably like plexiglass yeah. or some some bulletproof crap. But like I said, wooden meteor. So, uh, the elevator. There's nothing fancy about that. There's no drama. You just ride the elevator down yep. to the moon. Uh, do you immediately? Get into a vehicle, or there's other puzzles and stuff. There's other puzzles. Oh. The first thing you do when you get to the moon base is uh, one of the first things you get is your little uh, companion robot. Yeah, you put a little companion ro- robot together, which is fine. You end up with, with a little robot. I don't know, it doesn't talk to you, but it's how you see. Uh, it's how you see the hologram. It's how you see the hologram sequences, and you have you can you can control them flying through vents, and he can do other other little cool things. He's there to help, basically. What he is, you got to put him back together, which is a puzzle. Um. Is there anything else on the on that moon base before you go outside you want to talk about? Mm. It's just puzzles and puzzles and puzzles. Everything leads to another. Not really. Cause building the robot and using the robot to like, but you've had that mechanic before where you control a small machine or a smaller character like do like clairvoyance or something. You just take over yeah. it and it's cool. It's fun. Like the hit, but the um, it's called the ASE robot. I don't. I couldn't. I can't remember what ASE stood for. Like yeah, artificial entity or something, but um, every, every everyone on the the moon base has one. Basically, it's just a companion bot. Mm-hmm. And once you get access to it, it basically becomes it 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 controls exactly how is the 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 zero G controlled. Yeah, when you're controlling it, yeah, first mm-hmm. person. And you can fly through air vents and in through like holes in the wall and stuff like that. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was cool. Uh, so eventually, what this does lead to you is going outside, outside onto the moon, which you can actually walk out there. Uh, when you're walking, you don't have any air, of course. You have like a, I think a three minute air window in your suit, but you're given a uh, you're actually given just flat out given a vehicle, a little um, not a little like a people compare. I think people compare it a little bit to the the Mako in Mass Effect. Yeah, I would. I can. Yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it has like six wheels. I think the Mako has six wheels. It's six wheels, moon vehicle. It's pretty big. You can't, uh, it doesn't have fuel, thankfully. It has infinite air when you're inside of it. It can't be wrecked. Because you're on the moon, you just kind of flip, kind of roll over, and you kind of roll through the moon. So, here's where I quit at this point. Uh, Blake had done, when I was playing, I think you'd done beat the game by now. By now, yeah. Yeah, you'd done beat the game before me, and I was playing catch up. The first thing you do on the moon, if you're achievement hunting, is they want you to survive on the moon's surface for 30 minutes in real time. Uh, we've talked about before um, achievements like this or any other like money achievements, stuff like that, they need to be cumulative. You always want a cumulative achievement. Uh, 
these guys did not do that. Because you, you have multiple sequences. This is where I, uh, this is where I quit, though. But uh, you have multiple sequences where you end up back on the moon's surface anyway, traveling between the different stations there. Uh, but that timer resets anytime you go inside a building. Uh, it's confirmed on TA and stuff like that 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 timer restarts. So I sat there and I drove around on the moon for quite a while. So I got to a point, I was just like, I don't even know if I want to do this nonsense. Now, that, that's that's necessarily, that's not, it's my fault a little bit for wanting, wanting to do the achievement. But as, as I'm riding around, kind of bored, I start talking to Blake about the game. He start, That's where he starts telling me, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm roughly maybe the halfway point of the game. And he was like, if, if you've done the, what you've done the spacing sequence, you've done the highlight of what's going to happen action-wise. There's more plot that's going to play out. There's some emotional sequences, but they're not like, exactly satisfying because so, i'm not super attached to any of these characters so we'll get to that. um so i actually futched around long long enough it sounds dumb but i futched around i was and i was like i decided i was like i don't think i want to beat this game but i did futz around long enough for that because i had sat there for a while already i hung out just long enough for that 30 minute achievement to pop and i got out of that game i had to pull out i wasn't attached to the storyline i wasn't attached to uh, I, was, I don't care nothing about puzzles and stuff like that. The pacing had been dragging pretty hard for me. Um, and then I confirmed from Blake, which me, me and Blake will do each other, that for each other sometimes. If one of us is further than the other, we'll be like, hey, is this worth it? Is this worth it? And if it's if it's kind of a game kind of dragging and stuff like that, that's how we handle our Gamefly games. Uh, sometimes if one of us is playing a Gamefly game and tell the other one if it's worth playing. That's where I was at this game, and I kind of wanted to opt out around here. Uh I guess from here, what we'll do is I'll let Blake talk about the rest of the game. If you want to do the, I will do a the large spoiler right here. If you don't want to know, if you want to play this game, and you want to and you uh, you want to know how it ends on your own, I would skip ahead uh, past this until you hear us talking about a different game and adjust your listening by that point i don't know how long how long are you gonna do how long are you gonna spend i'll this? try to be quick but it won't it is a minute or two probably a few minutes it, yeah so skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear how this game ends this will be my first time hearing how, how it ends i don't know myself how it ends but uh you've been warned for spoilers so you go through everything and you do everything too much the mm -hmm. game is just it's 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 half as long as it needs to be but it twice as long yeah Twice as long. The game itself is probably about ten hours or so, mm -hmm. and I get it. They wanted to, you know, you get lost in the world and run around and get drawn into the world and the story, but you're redoing a bunch of stuff very often. You're just repeating the same puzzle. Move the energy, get this, get this dead battery out, find the active battery, and somehow get the active battery back to where the dead battery was. That's every puzzle. All of them. That is every, every puzzle. Of the, uh, city you go, you go to, um, you go to the other generators or factories. What are they? The reactors. Reactors. To, yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Reactors. Reactors that give the power to everything. Because you go to the moon hub, then you go to the moon base, like Delta, and then you go to the Tombro reactor, and the whole thing is you're getting energy to the monorail station, getting energy to. The vehicle base, so you can get the moon rover. And you ride. I guess you assume you ride the monorail. Is that just a? Is that just a? Like a it's just a monorail. Yeah. Just a, just kind of, well, there's one moment that's kind of stressful, 
but it's no, it's got nothing compared to the being space. Am I real break or something? Well, uh, you as you're going, uh, the the track, the train track has been collapsed by something, <laughs> and you have to like a, slam the brakes. Such a cliche moment, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like, like, it's like they didn't have. I mean, I don't get. I don't want to crap on the guys too much. It's like they didn't have, really have any. They didn't have any original ideas. There's not anything. Even I don't know. You you keep keep going. It just seems like there wasn't any, any real original ideas in the in the in the thing. Well, the whole thing, like I said, it, it is an entirely narrative-driven experience. I would have preferred to be. It honestly be more narrative, less less puzzle. Yeah. Like almost some be, Tacoma almost, almost or just, the station. Just be a be a. Yeah, like the station. Yeah, just be a I love another, the another space game we liked a bunch. Um, Same thing with Tacoma. Well, I don't think we've talked about Tacoma, but we don't talk about Tacoma. Those are walking simulator games. That I got. I enjoyed more. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. they could have did some slight puzzles, but it was too much of the same puzzle over and over again. Yeah. And then eventually, because Drew said he's on he's on the moon surface, you have to do it twice. You have to go inside these arrays and realign them up with the primary. Hub. How many arrays are there? Uh, well, you do that twice in the moon hub, and then you go to the moon base. You do it one more time, and then in the the last, literally the last part of the Tomboro reactor, is you're doing it again for a fourth time. But that is way more annoying because the circumstances surrounding it, it is obnoxious. They amp, they amp up the difficulty with arbitrarily. Yeah, yeah. but um. I'm I'm not gonna talk about all that. I'm literally about I'm as of right now, I'm going to spoil the ending of the game. If you do not want to know, fast forward until we're talking about game number two. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is once you get everything lined up and your final sequence is uh there's either an explosion or something drops you get hurt severely. And like and so the the reason the last sequence of aligning the array sucks is it's the exact same controls. You sit in the chair, you hit, click on the button, turn the screen on, and then you just zoom in the array, and you have to hold the array. And like, you have is, to, is it like the connecting the rocket to the almost yes yeah same sequence. You have to hold your cross cursor in you know inside this yellow circle while it charges up. You only have because the whole thing is timed because. You, you have your your oxygen level. Once your oxygen run, runs out, you die. So at most you have three minutes, but you have to make it across this thing, climb up the array tower, and then sit in the chair. And the fastest I could do it was I had I had a hundred and four seconds, and it takes like eighty seconds for the thing to charge up. But the whole time it's charging up, is it simple? You have your cross cursor, let it f- stay inside this yellow ring while the ring charges, but. Because you're losing oxygen, you're severely injured, you're losing blood, and you're blacking out occasionally because you got hit in the head really hard when this tower fell on you. Mm-hmm. So all of that has happened to your character. And so as you're doing this, your character literally blacks out and will blink their eyes and look down. And as they do it, the cursor has come off and you have to readjust. Oh, it was infuriating. Yeah, I get why they're doing it, but it's just not fun to do. It was, it was intense and infuriating. And just to know that was the last thing I had to do, but it took me like three or four tries. Mm-hmm. And I, because I, I got that's why the, the, I got to the 104 seconds was the best time I could do. Just running, jumping, and just 
not listening and just going as fast as I could. The best I could do was 104 seconds. And I think you need like 80 seconds to charge the thing. And you can kind of adjust your stuff. If you know your character, because you can tell, you can like, a, as your character's like passing out, you can hold the controllers and try to keep your cursor in there, but it always comes outside the circle. And it, it was just an infuriating controls. But, you know, spoilers, you end up, saving the earth you end up connecting the thing and you can save the earth and you end up finding your friend sarah Mm -hmm. who came to the base originally before i think they were like doing a routine they were already in space and doing a routine mission about checking out the base but due to the limited amount of time and oxygen they had to leave but she got stuck on the base, like you had, you like you have forty minutes to to check the base out, get and get back in the space station, and we're leaving. We cannot wait any longer. And all this, you know, you find this out through a series of of logs that she gets caught in an elevator because the po- a power surge cuts the elevator off on the way up to the thing. Yeah. And you're playing as uh, his name's Rafi. I believe you're playing as Rafi. Mm-hmm. And he bangs on the door. He's like, we can't leave yet. We can't leave yet. And they end up like hitting a button and like reeling him back in. Because if he didn't, and then everyone on their spaceship would die, he would die. Mm-hmm. And it'd be five people dead to save one person. And it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And so as he's leaving, he's like, I promise I'll come back. And so that's what leads me to believe that you are a Rafi coming back to save Sarah. Hmm. And you go through this whole journey. And you end up finding Sarah who... Through all these holograms, you find out Sarah has found, you know, gone through, tried to fix the problem, got hurt herself. She like got impaled on something and was dying. Actually, no, she found a survivor who she realized was crazy, <laughs> and uh, she tried to disarm him from his disillusions, and he shot her, and she shot him back. He died. She was smart enough to work her way back to a cryo chamber and froze herself. So it's actually a real cool, amazing, heartfelt moment of coming together. And it's, it's a kind of a, it's a nice story. It'd been better as a narrative without all the puzzles, in my opinion. But the big, 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 big plot thing about why communication stopped, mm-hmm. like one of the reactors broke. No. The people, the lead director on the space station one day just said why are we giving energy to earth earth is doomed Mm -hmm. activate outward protocol we're abandoning earth just out of the blue there's no yeah no no build up to it or anything no it's just you know mankind's horrible and their primary function is self-interest and being selfish in this particular case he he and he even lied like he contacted all the bases. He's like, yeah, we have a problem at Tomboro Station. It's going down. And then he sends the evac people to, like, Tomboro Station, to the reactor, which you have to, like, restart. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're operating at 100%. He's like, no, no, the the chief says that he's there's some fluctuation. He's got some recordings y'all don't have that it's, it's dropping down. And they're like, I'm looking at a live recording. No. Boom. Headshot. For not for assume for being uh, what's wrong insubordinate just sounds, boom headshot sounds like Chernobyl all over again and he's like are you gonna are, do you see what I'm seeing and the guy's like yeah it looks like it's dropping down ninety two percent 
and then they just evacuate everybody just because they're the brightest, I guess, of mankind up there watching this moon base, and they, the lead director, against everyone else's wishes, but if they said no, he killed them. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, okay, yeah, we all see that what you're seeing, mankind, uh, yeah. And so it, the, the whole thing boils down to mankind selfishness. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually know what happens to them. You just know that uh, Outward Protocol was activated, and everyone jettisoned. Except for, like, the one dude who stayed behind. In space? Yeah. Randomly? Yeah. I'm sure it's in some of the written dialogue, written uh, journal entries and stuff, which I didn't get to because I was too annoyed. Once I finally realized that it was just mankind's own selfishness was the main villain of the game, I was just kind of disappointed. Again, another not original idea. Yeah. But it was... It could have been better if it has been if it was more character driven or narrative driven, but I was so annoyed with all the puzzles being literally the same puzzle that like the cute little like the fact that Rafi got to keep his promise to Sarah and come back to her, she survived for two years. Frozen. Well, there was the whole preamble of her running around the base, meeting the sole survivor who was using energy to keep. His uh, sickly daughter, uh, uh, frozen and alive by uh, stealing um, helium three, which is a thing farmed on the moon. And he was using helium three to keep her uh, cryo tube um, going at all costs, instead of sending energy back to Earth, because he had the ability to. But he was going to keep his daughter alive versus giving energy, any energy to Earth. Mm-hmm. They got into an argument. And that's, you know, she got hurt, he got dead, and guess what? His daughter is still frozen, and he's dead. But there's all this, you find that through all the holograms and everything. And I, once the whole big reveal came down that it was, I was, I was just disappointed. I, I wasn't enjoying the ride. It was one of those uh, journey before destination. Enjoy the ride, the ending, but the ride stopped being fun real early on, and the ending was disappointing. Yeah. Admittedly, it's a bunch of young kids, and they were probably in, not young kids, well, probably, they look like they're in their 20s, inspired by cool space movies like Gravity and Interstellar and stuff like that. Like This didn't have any of that Interstellar no. stuff in it. Had, no, not really, but... Anyway. It could have been better. I was disappointed, and once I realized the whole thing, that's when I was like, Drew, I don't think you're going to enjoy that. I don't think you. You'd be real mad at the end of this. Yeah. Like, I was annoyed. Because you have to do... Uh, I was just annoyed by the whole thing. There's some other kind of cool thing that happens at the end when you have to restart the reactor. But it ends up being a much bigger, scarier version of that laser sentry. Of dodging. Because you have to use this metal shielding that's spinning around this reactor as it's coming up to close. But it's constantly sending out waves of dangerous energy. And you have to use the the iron, not, uh, the lead plating shadows to run around this room and run up a spiral staircase to get to the top to hit the button that's going to make it close. Mm-hmm. And if you're caught in between the shadows, you die instantly because it's a massive amount of radiation and energy and stuff. So it's cool and tense. And of course, but you'd already done that earlier on a smaller scale. And, yeah. it, and it, again, 
it was too long. It drug out too long. Mm-hmm. Like, the set pieces were cool, but they always stuck around for too long. The game needs to be half, half as, long. as long. Yeah. And it would be a lot better. Half as long with more writing, maybe? Yeah. But... I, uh, I hate talking bad about video games, and especially one that I beat, especially it being their first game. I wish them luck. I will play what they do next, because the game was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The parts that were fun and worked were cool, but they did them too many times. Yeah, it's that they had so many, only so many ideas, and they had to really stick. That like, maybe they stuck to their guns instead of branching out. Maybe that's better that they, for them as a small team, to stick to what you know already than to really branch out. I mean, but maybe branching out would have got them uh, more unique stuff. I'm not sure. I whatever they put out next, though, I I definitely will play. Mm-hmm. I definitely will play because the game was 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 good. Did you see anything? I forgot on, on the intro part. Did you did they, did, did they is this? If they're I guess they're working on a Series X update, but are, are they, they have any other game? In I development? didn't see anything. I think their focus was doing the update, but I didn't see anything else. Okay, well, we'll see if anything else comes of it. I don't have anything else for it. I want I want I let that end part there, Blake's part be the end end of that because uh, I, mean, I didn't beat it, so I don't have much to. Uh, say about it. I just, I mean, I found it boring and uh, slow, but maybe people, I mean, I, I mean, I do like a slow paced game sometimes. Like I mentioned Rapture earlier, which is an entirely different game, but Rapture, you're just walking around some little European town. You're just walking around the town at as slow as you can walk in a video game. Um, but that game is more mysterious and interesting than this was. Oh, yeah. Um, that's all I got. Uh, it was, it was on Game Pass. It'll be gone before you hear this probably. Spoiler warning, over. You can listen now. So we're, we're ready to move on to our second game? Yeah, we can go on to the second game, which is uh, a VR game. We've been having a couple of VR games at Gamefly. I don't know if it's random or if it's just I've, I've shuffled around that way. Uh, Blake did stream this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, from the PlayStation VR. Uh, unlike the Xbox, the PlayStation is real finicky about having two profiles on the same Twitch channel, so I couldn't... I couldn't stream it when I played it. Um, that's just what it was. I gave up. We fought it one night, and I gave up, and I ended up just playing the game uh, without streaming, of course. But if you if you showed up to it all to Blake's streams, uh, guarantee because I, I watch on the TV a little bit too. What what you're seeing in on on, the, on a flat TV is not the same as what you're experiencing if you're playing the game in VR. You want to go on about the game? Yeah. <clears throat> the game we're talking about. Is called Moss. The dark wood falls before me with broken bow and blackened leaf. I stand where trees meet with the sky, and in the stillness find you by when all the It's a VR game, like you said, and it was originally released uh, February 27th, 2018. Available for Windows, Oculus, and PS4 mm-hmm. only, even now. So that's all you can find it on. It is a action-adventure puzzler platformer, Yeah, yeah. I think, is yeah. what I would classify it as. A little bit of fighting, lots of jumping, climbing, puzzles. 
real similar if anyone has played another game we talked about really really similar to that of uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission yeah it has, it has, it has some similarities Very. except Astrobot is kind of um, it's a little more clever in its placement and, intera- and interactivity of the actual player yeah so we'll say in, in Astrobot uh, different graphic styles oh yeah completely Astrobot's more Bright and shiny and robot-y and stuff like that. Uh, Moss is mostly um, um, forests, foresty and ruins and stuff like that. And it's darker for certain. And definitely dark, a darker toned game for sure. And uh, it's more, but its graphics are still uh, really, really cool looking. Very, very, very pretty. And the parts yeah. that were like supposed to be colorful or gory, they, yeah. they use color well. Yeah. And it looked and it looked really neat because uh, the main thing I wrote down about uh, I love, love the the art style for Moss looks really cool looks really good, and then um, Moss is divided into what I, I I call in my brain I kept calling them dioramas each little each little loading screen goes to another little section, mm-hmm. and what you are is the VR is you're the camera looking looking down at the little moss and the little mosses I don't know what moss her, her name's moss is the name of the world the the little mouse you keep talking about yeah her name's quill yeah so we, you play the little mouse so you're a camera looking down and you're controlling the little mouse running around but it's cool because what you're looking at is like a like a it's like a diorama it's like a cool little built diorama and it's it's three when you're in VR the way you're looking at it, it's th- it's 3d like you're you're in it it's hard. It's so VR is so strange to explain in words if you haven't been playing VR games. We've played a couple of VR games, but you're looking down and it's cool. Like it looks in a way that you can like, like VR. Like, like people want VR to look. It looks like you can reach out and just in front of you and just like touch this tree or with your hand like move this move this crate for Quill if you wanted to. But that's not how the game works. Cause you're you're just controlling Quill. Uh, well, it's um one kind of it's how do I explain this? The game starts differently than you're expecting because oh, the games with, with the book we can read the book the game starts with you as the pl- as the the reader yeah you start off in like a it's like a cathedral a cathedral go- going through an old library of books and you come across a book called moss mm-hmm. and when you open it up and you start reading it it kind of it sort of pulls you in because there's a couple of breaks throughout the game where you come, like you close the book over. Some of the it, it is a weird um where some of the cutscenes are pages of the book and some of the cutscenes are just the in game the in game graphics being is, rendered. So it was a it, I'm sure it was a choice. Yeah. But you are called the reader, mm-hmm. and the world acknowledges you as this being called the reader. You kind of look like because you can see your reflection in a couple of things. If you look in the water, it's kind of neat. Yeah. You look. Um, if anyone has seen uh, Hayao Miyazaki's uh, Spirited, Away. *Spirited Away*, you look like No Face, only a little less threatening. Yeah. You got the long black body, and but you're and you have the, a similar maybe mask, it, maybe, except maybe for it's it, highlighted in like blue. Calming maybe you look kind of like uh, also a little character in Journey, maybe. Or is, it, or is it more like No Face than the character from Journey? If I had to pick, I would say No Face because no face. you don't. Because when you see your reflection, you're just this long, like cylinder tube almost. Yeah. And you, you just kind of like bend forward and. Yeah. And because everything you interact with, you don't move your hands. You just kind of like look at something and it glows blue, and then you interact with it. There is no. 
yeah. with the journey journey had like a, a an actual body arms and legs and type yeah. thing but th- that's just how they kind of pull you in and mm-hmm. they acknowledge you as the reader and you're on this journey with quill and it's kind of cool that it acknowledges you as a reader yeah. it's a it's a cool meta thing and i did write here that uh there's a narrator that does all the dialogue in, yes. in the vein of uh an earlier game uh stories the path of destinies mm-hmm. Uh, this is a female narrator. Oh, I didn't find her name, did you? No, I actually kind of forgot about that. Yeah, so there's a narrator who narrates the story itself, but she does all the dialogue for. There's there's no other voice, there's no other voice actors. Like she's the she does it all. She narrates the whole game, and she does a, a really good job. I wish she'd kind of found her name, but uh, I, I was focused on the actual game, and I forgot about that. Yeah, it's part. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay, but. Uh, if you, you look her, if you look, if you look at a, look at the game and find her name, she did a, a fantastic job of narrating. Kind of, kind of how how good. I don't remember the guy's name for stories either, but it's interesting to see these games that have uh, people narrate the stories because we're we're used to this kind of stuff because we me and Mike listen to audio books, but it's cool to see it in a video game. And it's better than the game having no voice acting at all. If you have one person that can do this, That's, yeah, it was good. I, yeah. I, I I I did enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she voice and there's only you meet other characters that talk and talk and stuff like that, but she does the it's all through her. It's, like it's, the, yeah, it's literally like a visual audio book. Yeah, visual. It kind of is like audiobook. a visual audio book. That's, that's a good way to put it. It's kind of a very visual audio book kind of way. I think it was pretty neat. Um, and again, great job. Makes it, it makes it, it fits into the, the fact that maybe, well, if you're sitting in a a, a big cathedral reading a book. If like you're reading a book, but you had a narrator, or like like a well, it could very well be that the reader was that the that narrator. Oh, that 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 that's you. That, I, I think that's how it could be. Oh, it I could think that'd be. be kind of a cool way to look at it. So then the because you don't because you don't know what you you are. You're just a person does, in a row. Does the narrator acknowledge the reader? No, I know yeah. the characters. I know the characters like like Quill. And the the frog and the other little person you talk to, they all, I don't know what the frog does, but everybody else acknowledges the reader, but does the reader acknowledge the narr- like the, themselves? No, because no. the narrator does refer, she she says you, you and Quill. Okay. So I think, I think, I don't think it is. I think there's a narrator looking looking down on you while reading the book, <laughs> narrating your life. It's again, a, kind of a meta, meta yeah. experience. Now... The story for Moss is not super. It's a good. It's a save the world from a from a bad guy. Yeah, it's kind. So of, are you saving the world, or are you saving this? this you're saving this, this a, a local, kingdom, a local, a kingdom, kingdom like a localized kingdom. Because the story starts, you get a little bit of backstory because you leave the opening pages of the book. Is that Quill and most of the mouse kind in this area used to live in this castle before this calamity happened. And this being known as uh, Saffrog, who is that awesome-looking final boss. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil that because he looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And he he they he, they they take over the castle and they force all mouse kind to leave, which leads to a huge, a huge. It's like I said, it's very dark. It's a huge mass murder scene. You don't see anything, but it, they tell you that oh, they lost half their people mm-hmm. when they ran away. Yeah. And uh, Quill's uncle, who because she, she Quill because her family is dead, it's just her and her uncle, and he has taken it upon himself to go to the castle to try to slay 
Saffrog. And so you're most of the game, actually, I think the entire game is you trying to find your uncle. Mm -hmm. Because the enemy has started reawakening out in the forest. These little cool mechanized uh, creatures. Yeah, mostly crabs. It's like crabs. They look kind of like crabs. Crab, beetle. Uh, there are these, I think these little fungus stick creatures that explode. Oh, yeah. And then I think that was kind of it. There weren't a whole, whole lot of... Do we know why there's little mechanized dudes? There's a reason why they're... Because the fungus things are just like a... Like a, like a or, or they're like an organic creature, but why is there, why is there little machines? Well, the, 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 the fungus things are machines, too. They beep, beep, beep. They're machines. I, I, I think that's I, just... I think they were organic. We'll agree to disagree on that. You know what? Screw you! <laughs> okay. Let me get this um. nose to stop bleeding. Alright. <clears throat> I'll... They're... It's an organic creature. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. They don't really explain it, per se, but this is technically only... Because like, you open it, and even at the end, it's... There's a cool trophy. It says a promising beginning. Mm-hmm. This is just book one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It ends with a more to come. And more, kind of recently, the uh, the director of the game, a gentleman named uh, Rick. Oh yeah, we didn't even we we got so into the game we forgot you forgot to talk about <laughs> yeah, the. I'll talk about that now, and yeah, then we'll sorry, get back we got, to. We got kind of into the because it's a it's a really cool game. Sorry. Uh yeah, we we do that from time to time. Um, we we'll take a quick break right here to talk about the developer. Mm-hmm. The uh, developer is uh, Polyarc. They're a Seattle, Washington-based company. Again, 23 people wor- working on the game. And from what I can tell, it's, uh, I don't know how many people of the 23, but the founders of Polyarc are all ex-Bungie people. Really? Yeah, all hmm. the, the founders. And this is this is their first game. And... Technically, the game already has a, a DLC built into it, which I thought was weird. That whole yeah. frog thing and the you challenges, know. thats yeah. you can just ignore, not do that. It's DLC they added is in. It DLC, is it DLC or is it just side? Well, when you look at the trophies, it's classified as DLC. Yeah, it's a separate. Yeah, so I think it trophy is. Trophies separate it, yeah, which is weird because we, any, we didn't buy anything. It just came pre-built into it. And... One of the uh, uh, he, the game director, I also assume he's one of the founders, is a gentleman named Rick Lico, L I C O, Lico Lico. And uh, during a, I think it was like almost a year ago now, but during a, I say a recent AMA on Reddit, people were asking him, you know, when's book two gonna come out? When's book two? And he's like, I don't know. We don't really want to talk about things going on in the company right now. He was just being super coy and kind of laughing when anyone would ask him a question. When's book two going to come out? And, he's, and so people don't know if we're going to get an actual full-blown book two or we're going to get DLC that'll be book two. He would, he, Whenever he was asked, he was just kind of like, he was just being funny and coy. Well, I hope they do a whole a whole new game because they Sony has announced a, a full-fledged PS5 VR. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see like that. Not, not too much, but like a nice little Moss trilogy would be fun and cute. Yeah, a trilogy's fine, but I just want them to hopefully use the 
added power to the PS5 and a new headset, and they had they announced a new headset, new controllers, new everything would be really nice to have it uh, have a, a, a an, an even better looking Moss game, Moss sequel. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons, like I don't know exactly why they left, but he during the AMA, like one of the things I read was they left him and his uh, group of friends left uh, Bungie because they wanted to focus on more narrative character-driven experiences. Mm-hmm. And they were just... That, like, that That was their ultimate goal, is they were kind of tired of that genre and wanted to do something else. I mean, Bungie only made shooters. Exactly. So I can see being burnt out on it. And this guy was a lead animator on quite a few things. This is his first time being, like, the director of a video game, but the things he animated... And like I said, he worked with Bungie until recently. Because like, he did... He was uh, did animations for Destiny and Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. Reach ODST, uh, and some other things that weren't Bungie were Condemned One and Two, and X Men Legends. That's awesome. Yeah, I love X Men Legends. No, not X Men. Oh, I'm thinking of Mega Man Legends. I'm thinking of Mega Man. But uh, <laughs> X Men Legends. I, I don't, well, I, see, for animation, it depends on how much how what what his actual job was. Because the animations, if you remember, if you think so back... Some of it said lead, some of it just said animator. Because, because some of the animations and stuff like that, I mean, if you play, if you remember, it's been a long time since you played Condemned, but there's a lot of a lot of pretty good animation, I feel like, in the Condemned game. Condemns are both uh, first-person combat games that don't really use guns. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of anime, like a lot of interesting animation in the Condemned games. I wonder if that comes from that. I don't know. It's just kind of funny with all of that. And they're like, let's do a cute game about a mouse yeah. on an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of play adorable little mouse. Yeah. <laughs> and she is adorable. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, we kind of we got too excited to talk, to talk about the game, and I forgot to talk about the developer Polyarch. I apologize. So we're gonna go ahead and dive uh, back back into the game. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's platforming puzzles, mm-hmm. which they're all. Fairly simple. None of I didn't use a guide for this. I just kind of played. Just played, yeah. Using a guide when you're playing a VR game, I would assume is, is impossible. To, yeah. So we just kind of played and won it. No platinum. Yeah. Uh, I could have. I literally. I could have got everything in the game, but the platinum trophy, because the platinum trophy requires you to play through the entire game without dying. Yeah, and you can die on just a sometimes just a bad angle on a jump. Yeah, cause just because because you, you are three D and you have to kind of look and bend. Yeah, left death and perception right. in VR is strange. We'll say that. And I was enjoying the game. I didn't want to hate the game. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, I did it. I got everything I could. I could have got more, but I'm like, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. I say the generally, you like I said, I'll, I'll lead back to the the screens or the diorama screens are pretty cool. You're running into a each area, each little map is usually there's a, a puzzle to solve to get through to get to the next screen. One of the cool things that you just talk because I think a diorama is the perfect word because what happens is when you move on to the next screen, it kind of puts you in like this centralized camera point, so you kind of see the entirety of you just by looking left and right. But you look to the left to see the start of the level, you can actually see the ending of the next level. Like um, yeah, it's all connected, yeah. You say what example was uh, one of the early ones is you have to get this water wheel to work and use it as a bridge to cross and get up to pull this lever to open this door. It's kind of it's a simple it's a it's a puzzle that's been used forever. Mm-hmm. 
but on the next section right after once you make it through the gate into like the town area you look to the left and you can still see not too far away in the background the wheel still turning yeah so it's like it's all rendered rendered together it's actually pretty cool and on yeah. top of all that not just the diorama of the village and everything is you can look above you and behind you and down you uh, down you down to your feet and you can see like a a not super detailed but you see like a shadowed forest behind you or a, a cave because sometimes you go underground and you look up and you can see the canopy and you look down and you'll see that uh, the river is flowing by you it's all like the main focus is what's in, in front of you yeah, but they the, did a good the, job the detail, of the details are of including like, you can look behind you and there is stuff to see stuff there's back. like you know some shadowed deer, deer and, and birds and boar like in the background yeah. that, there is that part in the early in the game where there's deer in like deer in front of you, like it's in front of you, but kind of in the background. And mm -hmm. as you run past, uh, the deer's head follows. It look it follows Quill. Yeah, watches her. It was kind of neat to see that cool, get a cool little detail. Now, I'll say, but like each of the each of the diorama sections are like puzzle rooms in a way. You're pulling a lever. You're making a jump. You're pushing a box. Uh, this led me to the thought really early in the game that uh, uh, Nintendo is wickedly missing out, so dramatically missing out on making a Zelda game in this, as a whole Zelda game in this exact style. It ain't got to be a mainline Zelda game or anything like that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know why uh, Nintendo tries to innovate and stuff like that and why Nintendo hasn't got into VR. I don't understand that, but... um. But a whole Zelda. I mean, it it worked for Mario too. I'm not. I, I like Zelda more than Mario, if I'm being honest. Imagine but, being a little, like. But but she but but sorry, Quill even has a sword, you know, and stuff like that. So I mean, like she's she's like a little mouse link already. Well, you know, even then is um, in I again Skyward Sword and some of even the earlier like the top down Zeldas, you hold the sword up. And she charges energy and shoots it. That's yeah. one of the upgrades you get. Is she, you, you hold the, the attack button. She holds her sword up. And you as the reader, you touch the sword and you infuse it with power. So it's she almost shoots, the same thing. lasers, yeah. Clear, clear Zelda influence already in the game. Oh, yeah, 100%. Anybody at Nintendo has looked at this game, like this is like make. I mean, I get big open world Breath of the Wild nonsense. I get it. I haven't played Breath of the Wild yet. But like this condensed, fun, interesting cute even like the the way it looks the graphics or things like this is this is what it, there needs to be a Zelda game that looks and plays like this I know they're all they're all all, all up into making their games bigger and bigger and bigger so just can, imagine okay it doesn't have to be link okay we can it, it doesn't need to be a main game but any legend every legend of Zelda game has always had a link but they could do a simple. Imagine just a semi, a, a spinoff. This, this, this could even be. I mean, they already have Toon Link. This could be a, like a Phantom Hourglass or like the Wind Waker was a main. I did Wind Waker on, on the podcast, but they had so many side games that used Toon Link, whatever, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. This it would it would work for this too. A little Toon Link game that plays like this. But, um, okay. um, uh, imagine if you will, just for. For the sake of this game, imagine being just a, an alternate Zelda universe. Well, let's say Ganon One, and you're you get to play as either a Zora, a Deku, a little Deku uh, tree nut person, or uh, a Goron, or play as all three. 
mm-hmm. and go through these diorama levels of using each character similar to, I guess, kind of like tr- the Trine, but maybe with better controls, much better controls. And go through and switch between characters. Might be a Zelda game you'd actually play. Yeah. Like, you, like you oh, know. no, we have to go into water. Let's click over to the Zora and do a cool 3D swimming. Th- like, it could be pretty cool. And you're the whole point of that game is you're going to awaken the hero. And then, like, that could just be, like, a, a little demo game. And then have the huge Zelda game come out later that year. So, I mean, it could be a cool little yeah, publicity they thing. They don't do anything cool like that. But it would be cool. And, like I said, heavy... Heavy, heavy Zelda, Zelda, heavy influence. Zelda influence in this game already. The, the only problem with that is because this game is a mostly a platformer and kind of like simple, I, I'm, very simple puzzles. It's like pull this rock out, push this rock in to make this one go up. To, it's very simple puzzles, not like the other game we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But because of that, there is combat in the game, but they they shoehorn in combat usually at the very beginning or the very end of a level. Occasionally you might have to hop over an enemy or mm-hmm. I'll get to that in one second. Let me finish this thought, <laughs> but they shoehorn in and combat sequences and the combat sequences are way too long and way too intense mm-hmm. for, cause at most Quill has a cute, I say, I don't want to keep saying cute, but Quill has a, about a three-hit combo, mm-hmm. and occasionally, eventually, you'll get a, an upgraded sword, and you get a few other upgrades. And the most she gets is a, a four-hit combo. But you're fighting like eight, nine, ten enemies, and none of them die in the three or four-hit combo. They all take like five or six hits, yeah. and so you have to bounce and move around. And the dodge mechanic is on the wrong button. Yeah, I remember it's good. It, need, it needs a specific what's, solo. What's it, what's it on? I you hold A, the attack button, and you hit left or right instead of just hitting B. Yeah. Like, there's a... The circle button's not used at all. No. So why why wouldn't there just be a dodge on circle? If she would dodge properly... Like, the combat can be smooth. Sometimes on purpose, if you're if you're paying attention, or sometimes by accident, you'll dodge something, you know, like, oh, that, that looked cool. She, she, she can move. She's a nice little mouse. But if, 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 it's, if it had its own dedicated dodge button... Maybe, maybe a, the dodge itself is fine. It's just on the wrong button. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but like combat for me always felt too drawn out because you wouldn't fight you for fight a very waves, long. You fight waves and waves and waves and waves and waves. And, and it's, it usually ends up being like the end of the section. If you die and thing, you'd restart the entire combat sequence over again. There's no, yeah. there's no, um, well, there was, Boss checkpoints. There were boss checkpoints, yeah. But in a regular combat sequence, I mean, actually, you may have had. There's some long combat sequences that are way too long. I so think, maybe at the end of those, each wave, those, those checkpoints. Not uh, some of them did, some of them didn't. But I also did my best to not die because I don't want to do crap over yeah. again. You can. Uh, moss can take the no, moss. Uh, Quill can take what, two. The third. She the can, third hit usually kills. The her. third hit usually kills her. So you can heal her. It's just it takes. Uh, positioning and and it takes time because you have a little uh we didn't talk about this very much but there's a similar to that again in astrobot you as the camera as the reader have limited interactivity with the world mm-hmm. you uh, we, I, we mostly set, pulling doors pulling big old doors open and i said it a second ago where uh later on you get the upgrade where she could hold her sword up and you can infuse her sword with energy 
Mm-hmm. And just now, Drew was talking about... Um, yeah. You can put your cursor on her. If you hold it down, she'll light up and you're you're healing her. But she can get hit during that. Yeah. Which uh, lots of times of me getting killed, quilled, I'm try- getting ki- quill killed. Woo. Getting quill killed. <laughs> while trying to heal her. Which... Getting quill killed while trying to heal <laughs> her. That's a tongue twister. But some of the other, like I said, limited interactivity with uh, the environment. You have uh, like underwater pillars you can pull up, yeah. and these—it's distinct. There's these like like tarnished green, blue, copper boxes yeah. that you can interact what's, with. What's the most important interaction? Yeah, I want to get to those here in a moment. Oh, there's yeah, one second. What, you, you don't do that right now? Okay. No, there's one other one. Is one of the cool things, mm-hmm. and you kind of forget to do this. Is you can you can. Well, it's only one at a time, but you can interact with enemies. Oh, that's right, yeah. And you can grab them and freeze them. It's certain enemies uh, you can grab and freeze and stun drag from. Them. You can drag them. And you can use that in combat, but it's really hard to because do Because you have to move. So you're physically moving the controller in the real world to try to grab something while controlling Quill with the controller, with, with the analog sticks and the buttons. And you have to make sure that you're looking down at Quill and you don't walk off the edge. It, it's It's kind of cumbersome. If you want because you can do it in, if you're battling just like one or two enemies, it's actually pretty cool. But when you're battling those waves, it's too complicated. Yeah, it's it's too much. It's crazy. But you can interact. And most of the enemies have a special thing they can do once you interact with them. You have yeah. the beetles, which you can drag around and make them sit on top of switches. The, the crabs have these gun arm, and you can take control of them, and it turns into a twin stick shooter type thing where you, yeah. you can just rotate them and move them around and pop, pop, pop. And the. the <laughs> The organic mushrooms, uh, you can prematurely make them explode by grabbing them with the reader, and you can make them instantly pop. Mm-hmm. They don't instantly pop, but they'll trigger the uh, self-destruct mechanism on them. And there's a few other little key points throughout. Yeah. But like you were saying earlier, the most important interaction that the reader can do throughout the entire game, there's about four or five times of the whole game, usually after a big... Event. She'll do it a lot after big events, like beating a boss or doing a particularly big puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moss will look up at Quill. you. Dang it. Dang it. Quill will look up at you and like hold hold her little paw up. You use your little energy to give her a high five and she'll do she'll do a little jig, put her hand back up again, you hit her hand you hit her hand again and she'll do a little jig and she's excited that she completed the goal for the area or something the- like that. It starts out as just a cute little single high five and her doing a little happy little wiggle. And then as you go through the game, the dance becomes much more elaborate and she wants more high fives. Yeah. And it's really adorable or really cute to, yeah. to interact with her. Yeah, a awesome. lot of people praise the interactivity that she has because there's also another cool thing she does. Yeah. You want to talk about this one? Or do you want me to? Uh, well, I think it's cute because I found, I found one of the ones you see it throughout sometimes. If you're sitting in a room... I'll do, I'll do the, well, normally if you're sitting in a room and you're kind of stumped on a puzzle, if you're waiting long enough. Because you're, you're, you're looking around trying to like around, take it all in. Like, like uh, Quill will start miming what you're supposed to do in the room. Yeah, yeah. she's like, <laughs> she'll, she'll, she'll point and does, yeah, she does a little thing. The one I like that, um, that I remember the most is I'm in a room with the crabs that shoot, get cannons and stuff like that. I'm looking at the room, I don't know what to do. And she like looks up and she's like, wah, wah, wah. and she did like like didn't moving around and then she went, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> which you, you're supposed to you're supposed to you're supposed to grab one of the crabs and like shoot this thing and like make it drop some litter, but you're supposed to use the crabs to shoot and she did the whole thing and she was like, pew, pew, pew. 
it was so funny. But she will. She does mime out, and it, it ain't it ain't generic. Like she will mime out what you're supposed to do in the room, and like, so, to the best that she the best that she know. Like she figures it out before you do, because because you're an idiot, and she's she's great. People praised it because they says that uh, she she not only does she mime, but they because I don't pay attention to it. Some of the stuff that she like she uses her hands, she actually signs what to do. Does she really? Her, her finger, like I said, if, if, if you get close enough to her, like if you get down, they said that she uses actual sign language. Like she's not like making the letters with her hand, but the, the way she, she'll put like her, she was like, she'll do sign language. Is that real? Yeah. That's what it said. Some of the reviews talked about, they applauded her, the, the subtle use of Quill's sign language. Hmm. Cause she will actually use sign, like real, uh, ASL American sign language to. That's cool. I, I, I got that. I, I wouldn't have known. I mean, Neither. I just thought her miming out, miming out the puzzles. Yeah, which I thought was a, absolutely adorable. It's a great touch. Um, I don't want to spoil what what comes in. Uh, the world was gorgeous. The yeah. music was fun. Well, it's I, cool none because of the music really super stood out. To there's me, a but... bit of a um, sorry. There's a bit of a what's the word? Not a, not a hint, but there's a bit of um, the whole world's not just uh, Quill's world. You actually run because there's a there's scale, there's things you 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 run past life size things sometimes. So it's interesting. So there's more to this world than just than just Quill's world. There, there are there, normal there was, sized there humans. There's human beings and there's obviously normal sized deer and stuff like that. So you do you do get a sense of scale when you see um, other side. I mean you're you're a, you're a mouse. You see other sized large things and then you, then you see the civilization that's been built by her people and then the size. So there's. There's a good sense of scale that looks pretty cool throughout the levels and stuff like that. Because there's like, you know, you think about like in forms. Like, I guarantee not only with it was a Link, but with it being an American-based company, and they're all fairly young. Like there are, you know, they're probably, you know, 30s, late 20s, stuff like that. And well, I, she, Halo's been around since for a like, I mean, some of these people looked really young, but maybe they, I don't know. But we'll say between 30 and 40, yeah. which puts them... Roughly in your you're in my childhood, and you think about these small anthropomorphic stuff with little, specifically little mice. Like you look at uh, American Tale, Five O Goes West, uh, Secret of Nim, Great Mouse uh, Detective, Great Mouse Detective. Exactly, you see all these little things, which it's you can see as an inspiration by. Not all of them are necessarily fantasy based, but. It's in there. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Like in, yeah. you, they obviously grew up. With stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I think that you know they definitely drew inspiration from that yeah. with keeping the world, and that also leads to some of the cool, dark undertones because mm-hmm. some of the stuff you go through might have been a uh, what do you call it? It's like like a, a night helmet mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But then in the background, uh, you definitely see what is a dead body, but it's shadowed. It's mm-hmm. just a person slumped on the ground. Yeah. There's no detail. They're just it's a shit. But you know yeah. that you see these kind of cool overtone or undertones of uh, darkness. Yeah, and it's it's very well, very well yeah. done. Is there? Cause I, I want to talk about the the final. Well, actually, is there any any besides the final boss? There are other bosses. Do you want to talk about any other boss? Because their bosses are done. What other boss Again, was there? Well, was there just the one where you're on the platform and he's trying to smash the platform that you're on? Shoot that's it, also shoot. the DLC, that, that hermit crab, that massive robot. So that's, so that's, a, that's a DLC he, he, boss? He's he completely avoidable. 
Well, like, it's still there though. So yeah. I can say he, he's he's a Zelda esque kind of boss. The and then the final boss. Everything else so, is so really it's just puzzles and regular. So there's a, so there, so they added one boss, I guess. Okay, so there's not a bunch of bosses. I there's thought. just the two. There's the final boss, who looks awesome. Like that. That's a really cool yeah. sequence. I really that's enjoyed. Se- yeah, that's a that's a se- that's like a whole set piece. We'll talk we'll talk about that last. Um, see, since there's not that many bosses, do you know what, I didn't really notice. So there are you said there's different weapons. And there's different um, was it was it gauntlets? What did she get armor? Yeah, these little like shoulders. So did you really know what those were? It lets you switch through them. I know the the ones one of the swords. So maybe it's the one sword that adds to your combo. And I guess the last sword lets you do the light the light shots. It's really all they really do, I guess. And it's, I didn't really it's know two what separate th- swords. One's an actual uh, like a cutlass, like a slicer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changes her combo. Yeah, and, th- and this uh, the that's the one. That it's three hit combo, and then the one the the quote unquote the because once you unlock the ability to charge the sword, mm-hmm. um, which I think you get from a gauntlet. So is that what the gauntlets do? Because there wasn't there wasn't she, she, she there's no life bar and there's no armor or anything. So I didn't really see that her armor was it wasn't making her any more resilient. Because basically you get like three you get no armor you get this little red like not van brace but pauldron, and then you get a full blown like pauldron sleeve the green art thing mm-hmm. but then once you have that unlocked you can then it just becomes um what's one looking for what's a uh, co- cosmetic mm-hmm. depending it doesn't matter which one you have you still have the ability okay but with the sword you still have once you get the, the that gauntlet no matter what sword you use you still have access to do the charging thing mm-hmm. but the cutlass is a three hit combo and it and it actually there is the different uh, differentiation between the two combats. The the cutlass combo. is a little slower, but it's the three hit combo. While the the rapier is the four hit combo, and she actually she's faster, mm-hmm. but she deals. I'm assuming she deals less damage. But I found that the rapier was more intricate because she would actually do this cool thing part of the combo, yeah. where she would stab behind her, mm-hmm. which do a little flourish behind her, which I thought was really kind of clever and cool and unique so yeah. i I, I didn't do a lot of swapping i kept the the cool i didn't swap at all i didn't know the point in swapping anything i I, tr- I, just... I figured it out what the point was and i was like oh, i'll just keep with the the rapier and the gauntlet because it seems like growth of her character why would she go back yeah type thing it wasn't anything else was those swords and gauntlets and the abilities you get from there i'm trying to think it wasn't like that wasn't as Zelda-like as you weren't getting. There was no hook shot. There was no anything. She could really use a shield. I, hope, I wonder if Moss, in the second Moss game, they'll give Quill some sort of shield. She might. Because technically speaking, the reader would be the hook shot. You, the reader, is, an, is a, another tool. That, you were pulling. You, were, you weren't just pulling doors. You were pulling other things, too, sometimes. Yeah. Pulling and pushing and rotating. Because one of the cool things is there's these... um cool spiral staircases mm. and you would grab the staircase and you would spin it. Yeah, rotate, the, stuff like that. So rotate like, the staircase where the top of the stairs was facing in the direction you needed it to be for her to jump on. Mm-hmm. And there was these, uh, I don't know if I explained them, what were those machines that kind of, the little eyes of Sauron that shot lasers? Was there any story thing to those? There's one, there's, there's, I there's, think there's, there's those a, are the things that created Saffrog and the other mechanized enemies. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a type they of They created them or they or were they were, I think. Them? I don't. They don't give you enough of that story. Yeah. Because the whole point of this particular story is you're dealing with the aftermath of them coming in, and just like Quill, you as the reader, you know nothing, mm. which is kind of a cool story. So maybe they'll, in the uh, in the upcoming sequel, 
she'll know more and then you'll know more because she's kind of ignorant to the world because all this happened when she was a kid mm-hmm. and her whole and then she was raised by her uncle after everyone else in her family died yeah so maybe you'll learn more if you you know if they, if they get the sequel made which okay. I hope they do uh, do you have anything else anything else to really add because I do want to talk about the final sequence because it's it's not it's, it's it's a tad of a spoiler but it kind of it's really just the final sequence uh, I have one thing that's just kind of a bit of a kind of a cool thing about the music. Yeah. Um, I forget what episode it was, but I talked about this gentleman before. We have a, a, a returning composer. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a uh, returning uh, company. Mm. In um, August third, twenty eighteen, so quite a few months after the game came out, um, this dude from Materia Collective. Remember I spoke yeah, we about... Yeah, talk, we talked about that. Was that with... Uh, I think, was that the last game or the game before? Was that with um, Mutant Year Zero? Mm-mm. No? It was, it was something recently, but I cannot remember what. There are notes in front of you. Well, I just don't want to let me flipping through the pages on, on camera. On camera? Don't judge me. What well, no vast you? We'll never be on camera because nobody would ever come back to this. I'm too pretty. All right, maybe this was a bad idea. I told you, but it's something we talked about fairly recently. With an episode or two. Materia Collective, and I have my brain is just like, it's oozing out my ears. I have no idea. All right, well. So anyway, we talked about this a particular guy who runs a company. What was it again? Do you remember? Do you remember the? They basically the whole their whole goal is they help put out video game music soundtracks. Sometimes. Uh, redubbing, reimagining, and stuff like that. Sometimes they'll take a uh, like a thirty second chip tune and then turn it into like a minute or two actual song. Hmm. And anyway, uh, they contacted uh, Polyarch and asked if if they would be interested in it. Mm-hmm. And Polyarch said, "Yeah." And so they they put out uh, digitally on CD and vinyl. You can get the soundtrack for Moss. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I did find music for this as well. It's it's just your, I don't I don't I don't talk down to because I'm sure there's good stuff in there, but it's 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 fa- it's your fantasy. A lot of string probably. Yeah, a lot of well, yeah. There was a lot of string, so I'm, I struggled a bit because uh, some of the string would get too loud and, and, and it would fade and come back, which is hard to put into a podcast because you, as I adjust the volume, this is technical crap you want to hear but as I adjust the volume for music in the background of the podcast if I have a sudden string or a sudden something come up somewhere like a high pitch or like it is yeah or not even that or there'll be whole sequences that are louder it's hard to get the volume to balance out for that kind of stuff so I had a, a hard time with some of the some of the moss uh song but it was okay stuff you'll probably you'll, you'll have heard some by now if I've if I've dropped it in throughout the the moss talk and uh before we officially uh, talk about the last thing, it was a very well received game. Okay, yeah. I, I just kind of just—it's it, good. I mean, I didn't, you can't you can't have a game. What sucks is that VR limits the audience. Yeah, it really, it really does. Like, I didn't go looking for it, but just when doing my research through like Wikipedia and a couple other things, it was like reviews or critical reception. And I was like, critical reception—is that good or bad? And I clicked on it, and the the lowest thing I saw was like a seven. Yeah. Everyone seems to be giving it huge praise, and most people talk about. That's where I learned when I kind of because I was like just reading through the reviews. I learned her subtle use of sign language, and mm-hmm. I, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, it is. Um, it is a good game. Yeah. So. Do you, now do you, 
But it, 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 we act like it's a big secret. But the whole the whole final sequence is you end up uh, you're fighting Saffrog. Is that you Saffrog. Say? Saffrog. Uh, it's not so much a fight. It's 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 a it's a sequence of of events. It's it's it has to go a certain way. There's no it's no actual combat. It's like a it's not a, a quick time event, but you have to do a certain thing a certain way. But uh, we didn't say before. You can die. Oh, you can definitely die. I died a lot because you had to like make certain jumps and you have to be quicker than him to get through. Because we basically Saffron is a is a, is a huge well a huge to compared to you, but he's a huge snake. Not only that, he's a metal snake. <laughs> yeah, metal. Or is he metal or is he armored or is he straight? He's a straight. I metal think he's snake. mechanized. Like a mechanized, but he because he's got that glowing red energy on the inside. Like but he looks. Uh, super freaking cool like he's like the uh it's awesome because it looks even cooler in vr because he's a he's a, a 3d rendered thing like he's you see him wrap around buildings wrap around and stuff and through. do things he's like physically there it looks so cool in vr and the final sequence is you running through areas and he's snaking with you and following you and wrapping around things and shooting fireballs at you it's mm-hmm. cool you're running and jumping and I don't think you're swinging anything, but you're running, jumping, climbing, and trying to get around them and get past them. And you do find these. Uh, There's three of them. Quill-sized. What are they called? Ballistas. Yeah, ballista basically, basically just like it looks like a hand crossbow. Yeah, but it's a ballista. I mean, it's size. definitely it's a ballista. Big, yeah, it's big, big for her. It's used to shoot uh, Saffrog. And you got to shoot those a couple of times. Uh, shooting, how you're hitting them and kind of. I say you're slowing him down, but you're really not. But it, I mean, you I mean it leads to you beating him, of course. Is the sequence ends with you beating Saffron and kind of winning the day and stuff like that, and it kind of wrapping up and leading to another another game. But that final sequence is uh, something to behold, especially, and it it works. Uh, another uh, again, like a, a sequence that only works in VR. Like the way it, the way it looks and the way it flows and the way you have to move and the animation is absolute top notch. Like it only works and looks as good as it does in VR. It's it, it's tense. It's thrilling. Uh, you gotta be you gotta be paying attention because she. It's one of the things she has to hop across like a. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, a falling apart debris. She has to hop across these cranes and yeah. you have to be like moving stuff while at the same time moving stuff. I, I think you only had to do like once or twice while like he's coming f- for Quill and you have to like, as the reader reach out and grab something to block his way to make him go up or go down, which gives her an extra second or two yeah. to climb this rock to keep from being blasted with yeah. the fireball. Like yeah. it's, it's all done it's in a, seconds. Yeah. It's a very intense, very interactive, very, like I mean, you you'll die a few times. I did. I, 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 I kinda, not jump far enough or not climb fast enough. Because you yeah, because you also you know you're moving your head, moving your head, you're moving your eyes depending on how you play VR sometimes. And sometimes you like you look back at him to see where he's at, and you look back at her and you realize, oh no, I didn't jump far enough. Because <laughs> cool, I and, there, and there's cool parts where you're running along trying to do something, and there's like tunnels behind you. And you'll see the the red light and him go like come behind him. But the, the sound there is really good. Oh, and you yeah. see the red light of him go across the tunnels behind you, so you know he's always he's like that ever he's ever pre, what's it called ever ever I think pre, ever, ever present ever, ever present thing there and that whole an ever whole, present threat. He's in that, in that sequence. Like you're not you're not safe until the end of that sequence. And I think it's uh, I don't is it the best part of the I don't know. The whole game is really cool. It does a lot of cool VR stuff. But it. Without having played the rest of the game, you can't appreciate it as much. 
Yeah, I think it, it's it, the whole point is building up to this. Awesome it's a sequence. great climax that's well earned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the 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 best part about the game, the whole game is like five hours. Yeah. It's not a long game at all. Yeah, I'd t- I would take like three five hour three five hour games to make a trilogy. I would. Yeah, be all about that. It'd be a, a great trilogy of video games that people should be talking about. I mean, there's there's not other games yet, but this game you said they received well. I think people should be. I hope it's other VR people. People always think VR's got to be in first person. You got to be like moving your arms around and doing stupid crap. And like we talked about, I think we talked about virtual reality, which is nearly impossible to play and stuff like that. Well, because we we didn't have a great setup for what we had. To, we have a great. We don't have a great setup for like the amount of wackadoo movement that that was asking you to do, yeah. but with something like Quill and Astrobot where you're, you're limited they found in mobility. A better, they found a better way, I feel like, to use it. I mean, it, may, it may sound boring, like, oh, you're just, an, you're just a camera floating in the sky, but the way Astrobot and the way Moss use this, you have to experience it. It's very good. Yeah, it's more, it's more, clever, than, more clever than what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And the way it looks... I really and really enjoyed. I probably enjoyed looking at Moss, the way Moss looks as a video game. I would really enjoy looking at it more. Astrobot's a fine game, but Astrobot looks like toys and stuff like that sometimes. Yeah, it looks cartoony and fake, and but it looks like toys. This looked like you're in a world. Yeah, and it was. It, I just. I really enjoyed the art style and the look of. Moss more than Astrobot. They're, they they are comparable games in the way they're played and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I really enjoyed this game. And I don't get and the, for me too. It adds to I get I do have the v, the VR motion sickness. It happens. I, I get it. Uh, it happens to be less in in this style of VR. Yeah. I've played one VR thing where I was like walking around a house one time and the graphics were too good. So I think my brain was really struggling with. Uh, the VR of walking through a house that looked like real. That made me real, real sick playing that one game. But uh, when the games, when you're just kind of like a camera and you're kind of hovered, I don't feel great playing it. And you got to, I got to, I got to kind of like pop the headset off and, uh, and defog the glasses. Yeah. yeah, A little bit, but you got to kind of step away from the the VR a little bit. Sometimes it's not, I mean, it's not perfect. You don't get VR sickness at all. You you, you feel fine. I mean, I get headaches and stuff, but I'm not, not that bad. Yeah. So, I think it's a cool game. Uh, is it the best VR game we've played? We're not, we're not really here in the ranking games. Not not what our podcast is about. Because Astrobot, it's it's really Astrobot and Moss are the best two VR things. One of I've these seen. things, Astrobot is more. Astrobot is Mario. Yes. Astrobot is a three D Mario. Platformer. It's a platformer. Yeah. Well, very, this is very, very little combat. There's combat in Astrobot, but it's not. But it's you, nowhere near as demanding as Moss. I mean, there's a lot of combat. You have to. You just punching little robots out of the way. Like it's, I don't think it's anywhere near as demanding. You're not fighting waves and no, waves no, no, and waves no. in Astrobot. You know. I was gonna say it's more Mario based. Yeah. Well, this is more like the action adventure. It's like the Mario to the Zelda. Kind of. Obviously, I mean, we're, yeah, we're, we're dancing around it. It's like Astrobot's the Mario, Moss is the Zelda. Of VR, yeah, I mean, it's really, really what it is. That's interesting. I should have said that earlier. It just, well, we it just dawned on me. This everybody's yelling it like this is obviously Mario and Zelda. You yeah. morons! But uh, it's great if you got a VR or any way to get a hold of a VR. PlayStation, I think PlayStation VR is still one of the cheaper ways. I would not buy a PlayStation Four VR right now because they're about to put out a bigger, better one on PS Five. If you've got your hands on a PS Five, which We've got we've got one PS5 in the house right now, 
which has a new Astrobot game, which didn't do VR, which is weird. But it did um, severely uh, showcase the uh, haptic controls of yeah. the PS5. Anyway, that's enough of this, I think. Uh, oh, it was Gamefly. There's a di- this is a disc game. Another game was Game Pass. This is Gamefly. I th- oh, wait. Uh, the PlayStation just did a promotion. Oh, yes. The, play, the play at home play at home promotion which they've done twice now in the past two I years I think it's still going on still going on uh, both Astrobot and Moss are both in that play at home promotion free. for free actually, there's a couple other games in there too yeah but. but namely those two are both in the play at home so if you have a VR and you don't really know what game if you happen to buy a VR and don't it's like sitting there collecting dust you don't know what's a good VR experience Astrobot and Moss are both in that place that play at home collection I'm not sure how long the sale's going to go on. I don't think it's the is it the rest of the month. Gosh, I hate to. T- it's hard to tell a time. I don't. I didn't see a timer on it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, hopefully you maybe maybe you keep track of of PlayStation stuff. But it's they're both. I forgot. Yeah, they're, they're both in that collection right now. Maybe you've already claimed them. Hopefully, if you ever if you've got PlayStation Plus or anything like that, you're always claiming these free games and stuff anyway. But it was cool to see. I was like, huh, we just played Moss on the. Gamefly, here it is for free. They put one more on VR game on there. Uh, I need to go. I actually need to go on there and just add all I, the I, library. I, think, I haven't I think, done I it in a minute. Paper, something. I don't know. Anyway, not important. Um, a moss is worth every bit of ten to fifteen dollars if you if you don't land it land it for free. I can't imagine it sells. For I would more say than 10 at or absolute most twenty. Think so. At absolute most twenty. It's five hours. Great experience. Yeah, I think twenty. I think twenty, because twenty shows respect to the the company and everything. Yeah. It's not worth sixty dollars. No, no, no. But I would say, I don't think anybody sells any VR games for sixty dollars. I would say any, thirty is pushing it, but twenty. If it's twenty or less, I you because like it. I said, if you're also trying to go. Because there's some replay value to go through and get the we get the collectibles yeah, and stuff. We, like we didn't talk about the collectibles. It's just these little, little scrolls you pick up. I don't think they even oh they pick there are pieces of art. They make that this, mosaic when you're back in the library. Yeah, so was, we didn't get them all because we weren't following a guy. But and then little, there's the the dust, the dust stuff. The sparkle dust. Know, I don't know what it was doing. And then filling up that bottle. Who knows? Blah, blah. There's two types of collectibles, uh, which we didn't talk. They're not important. We didn't talk about them. Didn't really add anything, but to the, the replay would be trying maybe trying to. You can there's a level select. You can maybe try to get them all. And the level select does tell you. We, I looked at it. The level select does tell you what you what how many how many you've collected each area. So you can level select around and gather all your stuff up if you want to. So the game's it's platinumable if you want to try to play through without dying. Which I'm not going to. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have. It's a great game. I say, I'll, I'll go with Blake. I, I, I say fifteen. But he says every, every bit. Of, if you want to give some company with some respect, every every, every bit of twenty dollars. Say yeah, twenty. Probably. You won't be upset if you pay twenty dollars. Twenty dollars and play I don't, the game. I don't think you will be, but some people are a little more frugal than you and I. Barely. Um, that's all I got. You want to go on? Uh, so the last thing we have, of course, for this episode, um, it's actually a pretty pretty good length episode right now. Uh, so we'll try to. Maybe not spend too long on this, um, but Blake does have a movie to try to sell you on. And the, the movie stuff is hard sometimes, trying not to spoil the movie, but he's got... He's, I'll, I'll, I can get through this one really quick. Yeah, but anyway, about being quick, it's about trying to re- relay that the movie's good without spoiling the whole movie. Uh, we will 
We forgot to mention it on a couple of other movie episodes, so I'm going to start each movie episode now at this at this sequence, which should start leading with it. What's the number one rule for when it comes to movies? No glove, no love. No trailers. No trailers. <laughs> Try your best, people, to know. We, 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 I know we beat it to your brains on the podcast. Try your best not to watch trailers for movies. If you... Hear about it from a friend. Maybe read a, a two-sentence synopsis. Just stay. The trailers are doing their best to ruin that movie for you. People say, uh, we had it with Jeff back a, few, back a few episodes. Jeff talked about trailers. Really, their goal is to sell you the movie. But most bigger companies and bigger trailers aren't there. They're, they're just, they, they, the people are, pe- human beings are so impatient now that the trailer has to show you the entire movie or people won't go see it. Yeah. And that, and that it's just such a waste of... It's just, you need to experience movies blind if you can. Take your friend's recommendations. We, we take a lot of recommendations from uh, friends. And uh, we, me and Blake are weird. We follow directors and writers. So we'll, well, somebody direct something, we'll watch the next thing they direct. Somebody write something, we'll watch the next thing they wrote. Yeah. Uh, that's we're, We know we're the minority for that. Um, but it won't be this long next time. But I'm going to try on the, movie, on the movie episodes to be like, please Number one rule, don't watch the trailer. It's just going to ruin the movie for you. So, Blake, take over now with this week's movie. Okay. <clears throat> the movie uh, I'm talking about is called Radius. Radius. Which, I forgot to tell you about Radius, sorry. How we heard about this movie, no trailer. I heard about this. Uh, Chris Hardwick talked about it on ID10T one time. He was talking to somebody who knows what episode it was. And he was talking to somebody, and he was like, ooh, me and my wife just watched this movie called Radius. And he kind of explained what Radius was, and I was like, that sounds cool. I'm going to watch and then that. I, and I told Blake about it, and we found it streaming. It was maybe? on Netflix at the time. Netflix but... at the time. So anyway, there's a good example. I, I didn't watch no trailer. I just heard about Radius from another podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It came out uh, July 17th, 2017. Mm-hmm. A lot of sevens in that. It's it's really. Is it July the seventh month? Yeah. Really. It's seven seventeen seventeen. It's weird. Whoa. That's yeah. Weird. Um, the good news uh, is a movie that gets to the point really quickly, and and the whole movie itself, I think credits included, is like eighty eight minutes. Mm-hmm. It's a very boom, here you go movie. Um, uh, its director is a woman named uh, Carolyn Le. Lebreche, B R E C H E, Lebreche. Uh, she hasn't done a whole whole lot. She did like some tiny movie back in like two thousand and nine. This movie and a couple ones in this in seventeen, and then a couple in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty nineteen, which mostly seem to be thrillers. Mm-hmm. Which I with based off this, she likes thrillers, thrillers with uh, strong female leads is what it seems so to be. So for thrillers, though, I mean, Radius is can be considered a thriller, but Radius has a selling point. Mm. Do her other movies sound like they have a, like a major selling point like Radius does? Um, I didn't really dip into them too okay. much, but it, it just seemed there's a point to Radius, which which, which is why I, I was sold for it. You'll get to yeah. it in a second. And then she wrote and directed this, and she also had a co-writer, a gentleman named uh, Steve Leonard. But this is the only thing he'd ever written. Okay, so. maybe just a friend or something. So they came together. So. The whole, I'll, I'll give you kind of a brief synopsis, and I'll explain the characters. There's only 
really only thing that matters is there's two actors. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the main character, a gentleman named Liam, wakes up kind of he wakes up from a car crash he's kind of he's got blood on his shirt he's got a cut on his head he's real disorientated and so he's like he walks away from the car wreck finds a, a, a the main road close by and he's you know he, he, they got like the the lens flare glowing going on he's looking around his you know it's kind of just very disorientating to watch as i'm sure it was for him to be in and there's a vehicle coming towards him and so he goes to flag him down waves his arms it's like hey hey stop stop and as the car is coming closer to him it starts to slow down and then the car veers off the road and just stops quite a bit a ways ahead of him mm-hmm. and he was like that's weird so he goes over to the car he pops the car open and the person in the driver's seat is just kind of just dead they have like this milky pale white eyes and they're just Mm-hmm. dead and he was like oh no what is happening and then he kind of he pulled he tries to pull the phone out and he tries to call 911 he has no they're they don't have a phone and his phone is dead mm-hmm. and so he's like i don't know what to do uh he's like St- uh, i'll be back i think i uh, and he's looking around he sees like a sign that says so-and-so's diner like a half mile this direction or 0.25 miles this direction or something. And so he takes off running in that direction towards this diner. And as he runs to the diner, he he gets inside the diner and everybody inside the diner has the pale, milky, white eyes and they are all, some of them are laid out on the floor, some are falling in their food, but the entire diner is dead. And he is freaking out and he hears a news report on the TV about, uh, they think that there's a local an airborne virus that's been killing people. And so he takes precaution and wraps his mask around his face and starts trying to find more help. He ends up, God, he's semi-amnesiac. He he pulls out his wallet and finds, and figures out his name is Liam and he, his home address is nearby. So he decides to run to his house and figure out if anyone's there. And while he's there looking around, uh, this will introduce the second character, uh, who goes by the name Jane. She is also an amnesiac, but the only thing she has in her pocket is this dude's address. This is all she has. So she comes here, and while all this is going on, uh, Liam, through a series of accidental experiments, finds out that it's not a virus. He's the one who's been killing everybody. Mm-hmm. And he finds this out by, he's like walking towards his home. And I think there's a cow or a horse, I forget which. And he's walking by it to get to his house. And it just kind of looks up, looks at him, makes a noise. And he takes like two steps closer. And then its eyes just go milky white. And it just plops over dead. Mm-hmm. And then he freaks out and realizes that it's him. And then he, that's when he books it to home and then while he's at home freaking out he's like locking all the doors boarding up everything and that's when we get Jane who comes in calling hey is anybody home and he's stay away stay away from me don't come close and she walks closer to him and nothing happens to her and he's like maybe maybe I'm just something maybe I hit my head a lot harder than I thought I did I don't know what's going on and uh 
So, one thing leads to another, and for some reason, I, I, just, I guess just because the, the movie demands it, and the trail of death lead to his home, some police officers show up. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch of other stuff starts happening, and then there's the mystery of why this is happening to him. I'm trying not to spoil. I think I've said a little too much, but this all happens very quickly early mm-hmm. on. It's a short, short movie. It's a very short movie. I probably said the first like ten minutes just now, mm. so I'm, I'm I'm going to do my best not to say too much more about it. But basically, the the, the story is uh, Liam figures out he has an exact radius of fifty feet completely around him. That if anything steps into, it dies instantly, mm-hmm. except for Jane. Yeah. But as long as she is near him. The effect is nullified. Really? I don't remember that part, but yeah. She's immune to it, and she nullifies it as long as she is within the radius. Mm -hmm. Because the police officers arrest them for fighting. They arrest them. She gets put in a vehicle. He gets put in a vehicle. And all the cops around his vehicle die. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's a pretty fun... It's a... It's a heck of a ride. The figuring out the mystery of how they're connected, why this happened, what's going on in this small town that's slowly... Because I can't say too much without... Just the ta- the the thing is, it radius. If he has a 50-foot radius, anything steps in, it dies. And why that's happening to him, how it's happening to him, and all this... The mystery of why they're together, why she's immune to it, and how she... It's just... It's a bonkers ride that is under 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Is a very, and I'm not going to spoil what happens, but there's a very, very tense scene where they're going somewhere to get him tested to figure out what's going on. They end up going to a hospital. She's like, it's fine. I'm with you. Nothing happens. They get separated in a hospital, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Mm -hmm. We'll let you deal with the intensive aftermath of what may or may not have happened in said hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want to talk about the movie. Because there's more I could talk about, but that definitely starts spoiling stuff with like the, the mystery and the thrills of figuring out the unfoiling. But it, uh, we watched it. And I enjoyed it. I thought all the yeah. acting was really good. Yeah. You said the, you didn't see what the actors, other the two main actors. Yeah, noticed. I'll get to them now. I just wanted to give you that brief boom because I don't want to talk about the movie too much. But uh, the gentleman who plays Liam is named uh, Diego Klattenhoff. Now, he's had a couple of smaller things. Uh, he had a small role in Mean Girls. He was one of the main people in Cube Zero. He makes an appearance as one of the victims in Lucky Number 11. And his two, I guess his more recently, his three bigger claims to fame is that he's in the original Pacific Rim as part of the American duo, the father-son duo, duo, he plays the son in Pacific Rim. And in the show Homeland, he has 25 episodes as a gentleman named Mike Faber. But his big, 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 big one is on the show Blacklist. Well, he's 133 episodes as a gentleman named um, Donald Resler. Resler? And that's his big, big claim to fame. Is that with 133 episodes? That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of show. 
Now, for the Jane, who's played by Charlotte Sullivan, um, it's a little smaller stuff, a little smaller roles, but again, her two bigger claims of fame was a show called Mary Kills People. Uh, I only think it like ran like two seasons, but she's in 12 episodes of that. And another one uh, is called Blue Bloods. Yeah. And uh, she plays the main character, Gail Peck, and she's in 74 episodes, which I think is probably the most of the show. Mm-hmm. And a random cool side note, each of them got to be the um, quote-unquote monster of the week in an episode of Smallville when they were in, back in the 2000s. I thought that was kind of cool. Right. Both Each one of them was the monster of the week, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. I don't want to say too much more about the movie because there's not a lot to say without spoiling stuff. Yeah. Because I can tell you, I give you that. Yeah. Uh, it was streaming forever ago when we watched it. Try to find it streaming if you can or buy a Blu-ray if you like to own physical stuff like Blake does. But it was it was streaming at a particular time. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. I, I remember enjoying it. It's been a long time. It's been probably over a year since we've seen it. Yeah, more than probably. Yeah. I remember enjoying it. I think it was pretty crazy. Uh, so I don't have anything else for that. I don't have anything else for the podcast, I don't think. Uh, so I'm done. Uh, do you have a... Uh, you said you had a tagline for I, the movie? I do. Then, I, have, I have two, but one of them I like a lot more than the other, so I'm just going to do the one that I like. Okay, so that's all for me. Uh, thanks for listening. Check out our all our social media stuff. Buy Blake's story. You know, do all that fun stuff. Help support the podcast, and we'll see you again pretty soon. I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night. And here's the tagline for Radius. Radius. Don't get too close.